Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN with... Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Mr. Davis. Good morning, Mr. Carricker. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm ready for the weekend. It's Friday. It's yeah. a good day. Yeah, you can't best, beat it. Best day of the work week. I, I well, don't think there's, there's any no argument there. It. it should be Thursday because we should only have a four-day work I week. I am in agreement with that. Now, whichever politician can... You know, weave that into their policy. I think we just need to get that into the corner office. Get that uh, thought process hey, going. Hey, all right. <laughs> we can start it. <laughs> it's 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And a rough go last night for your St. Louis Blues, a 6 2 loss to the Nashville Predators. John Kelly told us yesterday, he said, hey, the, the Predators are rested, and don't forget the last time the Blues played in Nashville last Easter when the Blues scored eight in the second period and rolled to a victory. And, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of that sort of game. Like It looked like Nashville had a point to prove last night. Well, when I'm watching it, it, it seemed as though Nashville was quicker. They were more physical. Um, and And those things, for me, become a problem of a team. When you are, are being out physical, when you are being uh, beat to the puck and you're not getting there quick enough and it, forget the X's and O's. Forget how to, to, to you're handling the puck. It, the energy and effort part of the game are things that no matter who's injured, no matter who's on the ice, no matter who's not, those are the things that you can control. So watching that and watching them get out hit, watching them get out physical, that to me is a is a larger problem than any other injuries or any other things. Having your backup goaltender in, all of those things are part of the game. But the energy and effort part is something that that really stood out to me last night. After playing reasonably well in a loss to Edmonton on Wednesday night, the Blues got off to a quick start in this one. By the Blues and Falk throws a wrist shot and he scores. It lasered in. Might have been deflected right in front as well. And the St. Louis Blues have a one nothing lead. Thomas gets a piece of it for the Blues. Robert Thomas, his first of the year at the 107 mark before the first period was out. Nashville tied it, but then early on in the third, the Blues retook, or in the second rather, the Blues retook the lead. Neighbors now to Shen. Right point Pareko over to Falk. Falk to Pareko, straight away to Shen. One-timer, he scores! Braden Shen with four seconds to go in the power play. Lasers it, top shelf blocker side. Two to one Blues, 13.36 to go, second period. And you're thinking, okay, Blues are in pretty good shape. They're up 2-1 at the 15-47 mark of the third when McCarron scores to tie it. And then the guy that untied it less than a minute later was a guy that we know pretty well. Comes loose. Toe drag, want to walk in front. Wrap around by Sanford, and he scores. Price was slow to get to the post on the wraparound. Sanford tucks it in. The Predators have taken a lead. 3-2 to two the score with 3.36 to go in the second period. 
That was what the Blues wanted to see from Sanford during his career here. A, a big guy that could make creative plays like that, and it was a, a really nice goal, the wraparound goal by Sanford, to put Nashville ahead. Yeah, and, and they didn't look back. <laughs> After no, they, they didn't. Got they scored three in the third. <laughs> that, that, and that's what I'm talking about. You you get the go-ahead goal, um, and then it just kind of – the wheel seemed to fall off after that. They, they, the Blues were – it, it felt it felt like to me at that point that's when it seemed like they were being out physical and and it was almost like a big brother little brother type of deal where they were just getting bullied on the boards getting out physical and and those are the things as a coach as a player as a fan you cannot have that you have to be able to compete all game long and not have those moments or those lapses where you're you're just not present and it felt like at times that's what was taking place and one of the problems that the blues had last night and you don't want to individualize things, but when you do see a minus four next to the name of Braden Shen, that's notable. And you had a couple of minus threes in the game as well. Tori Krug, one of your defensemen is a minus three. Justin Falk, even though he scored a goal, is minus three. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly was a minus three. Just an overall bad night for the Blues big guys. I mean, when it's Falk, Krug, Shen, O'Reilly that are your plus minus trailers, that's a problem. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of this is is you know side and Buchnevich is out are out, yeah. and now you got guys moving up in 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 lines, and instead of Shin started out first game on the third line, now he's I think he was on the first line last night, and you're trying to move Kairou around, trying to figure out a, does he need to be with Thomas and, and and Tarasenko? It's a lot of movement, it's a lot of changing, and I think they're still trying to find you know that continuity. But even still, no matter what line you're on, no matter how many minutes you're getting or not getting, when you're on the ice, you have to be a presence. You have to be there and not get beat up on the boards and not get out physical. That part to me is the one thing that I will always stand by because, you know, football, hockey, the most the most physical team at times usually is going to win. Mm-hmm. And last night, the Predators were more physical than the Blues. Coach Craig Berube, what happened? Can't give that goal up in the third. You know, it's a, it's right there. We're in the game. You know, it's three two, but we had complete control of the game. Uh, we're up two one. You know, uh, two goals around our net. You know, we got to be a little harder there. So how do you how do you um, grade uh, Thomas Grice's performances these first couple of games that he's played? A goalie has to make some big saves, and if- I I don't. He made some saves last night, but he just had to step up more than he did last night. And I thought the Sanford goal was one that an ordinary good NHL goalie gets to. And then the Johansson goal that, that uh, Baruby referenced, I, I think that Grice has to get that one too. So if he's not able to to do his job effectively, it, it, it puts more pressure on Bennington. It puts more pressure on the team. Um, and I'm not saying you know, it's time to get rid of him or anything like that. I'm just saying you have to step up. When you are, I mean, you are the, the, the backup goalie, obviously. But your role is as important as the starter. When you're in there, you are the starter. You cannot have games right. where you're allowing three goals, four goals. I know uh, the last game you took a lot of shots. It was 43 shots on goal. And, and, and you know, you, you did the best you could. But last night I felt like, as you said, there were goals that could have been stopped and should be stopped. Um, because your team is relying yeah. on it, and you cannot allow you know that to happen in, in the games where you're playing. And all due respect to this guy, who's had a, a good NHL career, and he's 36 years old, but there were half a dozen decent backup goalies available in free agency, and the Blues were limited by the cap because for their fans, they are spending to the cap 
but there was a game of musical chairs and when that game when the music stopped it was the blues and grice that got mm-hmm. matched up with each other yeah. I, I would think that if the blues could have taken any of the other five guys they probably would have but those guys got better contracts than the blues could give them he's not he's not helping himself right now no Speaking about a guy who's not helping himself, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers oh. fall last night to the Baltimore Ravens 27-22. And we mentioned before <laughs> before we came on the air, I, I said to Kerry, hey, would the old Tom Brady have brought the Buccaneers back in that game? Yeah, the, the, the old, not this old Tom Brady, the, the, the former Tom Brady, the, the old Tom Brady of the of the uh, Patriots and, and early Buccaneers Tom Brady would have definitely had a better go at it than this version I don't know what I'm watching, Randy. I, You're I, watching it, a 45-year-old quarterback. I'm watching a guy that probably should have stayed retired. Yep. And it's hard to 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 say that it, the worst thing in sports is watching someone that that you may have loved or or was one of your favorite players continue to go out there and try it out there, and they are unable to do it. Jerry Rice was a was a guy that you know he played for the Seahawks. I don't know if people even mm-hmm. even the Oakland Raiders version of Jerry Rice was a still very good version of Jerry Rice. The Seattle Seahawks version was. Great. <laughs> It wasn't great. And so when you have guys that are in the the, the, the the tail ends of their careers and you're still out there trotting out there, trying to give your best performance, I will say this about Tom Brady. Yes, he's a Super Bowl champion seven times. Yes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks and players in the NFL that is that they have ever seen. I think what you're seeing obviously is, one, him being older, but two, he has alienated himself in that, in that, club, in that um, locker room due to the fact that you miss – X number of days in training camp. You miss a Friday walkthrough to go to a wedding. Hey, man, you are a team first player, or you should be. If you're not performing well, you're taking days off, mm-hmm. people in that locker room are going to look at you and not have the amount of respect for you as they once did. You're seeing that with Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Green Bay Packers. I don't care what you've done in your career. Some of these guys weren't even born when he started playing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They don't care about your legacy and what you've done. What are you doing now to help this team? And you're throwing balls in the dirt. You're not You're not completing passes. You're throwing interceptions. He threw a couple of passes to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think he forgot what color uniform they had in the fourth quarter. They just dropped him. So he's not playing well. They're not playing well. But he's not helping himself by – taking the days off and, and berating linemen on the sideline, all of those things, that's going to be a locker room. And you're not winning. They're going to – it's going to splinter be a problem. here soon. The World Series starts tonight. The Philadelphia Phillies at Houston for Game 1. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN with the pregame at 6 o'clock. Houston is a prohibitive favorite in this one. Jesse Rogers, friend of the show from ESPN. What do the Phillies need to do to win? I think splitting here would be nice. Like, you got to punch him in the mouth at some point. Um, Seattle came close. I guess the Yankees in game four kind of came close, but no one's beating them. And getting down 2-0, and even though you're going back home, it's just it's such a hole. So somehow you got to get a win, but easier said than done. Um, let me say this about the Phillies. They're, they're the clear underdog. There's no doubt. But they are a hot underdog. They're an underdog with incredible mojo right now. So if you're going to be an underdog, this is the kind of underdog you want to be. You have a little chip on your shoulder. You're hot as hell. Um, I, I picked the Astros to sweep the Yankees. There's no way in heck I'm doing that in this series. Jesse Rogers of ESPN. And again, you can hear it tonight. Game one here on 101 ESPN. Who are you picking? Astros. I am too. <laughs> in six. I don't like to. I, I, will, I will give them in. I, I want to say five, but I, I, I'll give the Phillies an extra game. Um, 
I just think that this Astros team is is their their depth, and we talked about it yesterday. Altuve has not even started to hit yet, and they're still undefeated in the playoffs. Once he starts warming up, mm-hmm. they're going to be it's going to be hard for them to, to lose any games. Now, with this being the case, and I agree with you. Back in 2006, when the Cardinals went into the series against the Tigers, USA Today picked the Tigers to win the World Series in three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they do something we didn't know at all. <laughs> somebody, oh, somebody got in trouble for that. They, yeah. An editor and a writer definitely did not know what they were doing. The five and two Lindenwood Lions are going to be back in action tomorrow. By the way, Mizzou at South Carolina tomorrow, and the ILL I and I are on national TV, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. At Nebraska, going to be a good contest for our Illini. Looking forward to that. The Lions play at home tomorrow. We're going to talk to their coach, Jed Stewart, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Division One Lindenwood Lions have won three in a row. They're five and two, and they host William Jewell tomorrow. One at Hunter Stadium in St. Charles, and the head coach at Lindenwood, Jed Stewart, joins us as he does every Friday morning here on the opening drive. Good morning, Coach. How you doing? Good morning, fellas. Good being on with you again. All right, here you are, seven games into the season, and you're getting votes in the FCA coaches poll in your first year in Division One. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, it's an exciting time. I mean, you know, obviously when the uh, you know when the season started, or even when we made the announcement, you know, as a coaching staff, we sat around. You you never know really where you're going to be until you kind of get into it. And you know, I think uh, you know a lot of people are going to uh, you know question maybe this or that. But for us, you know, the, our guys are on a three game win streak against uh, uh, three good FCS opponents, and uh, you know, we're going to celebrate this. I think I kind of made a statement earlier somewhere else that you know hey we're humbled by it but we still know we got a lot of work to do so you know we're going to keep we're going to keep grinding and and, but it's it's great to start this foundation off uh, in this this era with with this kind of success I'm really proud of our guys hey coach you uh congrats on the win last weekend you all are are playing one and seven William Drew and and at times when you have young kids it's hard to keep them locked in especially when they feel like uh the opponent may not be up to par you you did a good job last week versus Murray State how do you continue to keep those kids engaged week in and week out uh when they may not be playing the level of competition that can keep them engaged on the field well, coach, you just blew my whole ammo. I've been telling them all week they're seven and one. <laughs> now you just said they're one and seven. I've been telling them they're seven and one all week. You just blew it for me. So, now, you know, I tell you, it's uh, we kind of faced that um, in the past, uh, and we're going to kind of learn from it. I, here's what we kind of started this little mantra t- uh, two years ago, and we just stuck with it. We we always we always kind of break down every Sunday when we when we come out of our team meeting or even our, our Tuesday meeting when we're you know, getting ready to game plan uh, or to put in the game plan, we always it just preach it. You know, we, you got to prepare like you're, pre- you're preparing for a national championship game. I mean, you have to have the mindset to practice against, you know, the, the best of who, who somebody can be, you know. And I think, um, you know, because it is, it's, uh, it, you know, the, the reality is, is we've, you know, we've played three pretty really good opponents. And, and uh, uh, now William Jewell, we just played them a year ago. They were in our old conference, and and uh, just to not look at records. I mean, I think we had the same issue last week, you know. And so, um, but you know, coach, you you've co- you coach kids, you know. You can only 
you can always preach it. You know, they've got to believe it. But uh, I, I always say, though, by the kind of way practices go, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed with uh, with how focused they've been this week. I think they know that they could be on the verge of something special for a first year uh, in this era, and they, I think they're taking that to heart. Coach, you've played a lot of high-flying games, and, and watching over the last <laughs> couple, and last week the points allowed reflected it, it seems like the defense is on the ascent. Am I right about that? And if so, what's happening? No, I, I got to really, you know, Coach Inam, our defensive coordinator and his staff, I mean, you know, we, you know, the defense is rising up in, in the times they need to rise up. And, you know, the red zone defense right now is something we've really put a lot of emphasis on. I mean, you know, we, uh, I think to be, you know, great, you know, a, a football team, you, to be great, you've got to really understand what your weaknesses are and, and you know, how do you, you know, uh, and how do you adjust to those weaknesses and, and capitalize on your strengths? And we know defensively right now, we've, you know, through injuries and through some youth and things like that, you know, teams have been able to um, – and and if you saw Murray State, probably had the biggest, most physical offensive line uh, that we faced to date. I, I uh, We were so impressed with their old line. And when they lean on you, man, it was tough. And our kids – man, when we got in the red zone, you know, they two of six times they were in the red zone. And we actually came away in those two trips inside the five-yard line that they had, we came away with seven points on a pick six. So, you know, they're figuring out ways to, uh, they're figuring out ways to win. So I'm really, our defense is getting better. There's no doubt. Um, and, uh, more consistent, but they rise up when they need to. Yeah, speaking of that pick six, Darian Bowden, 99 yards for to the house for a touchdown. Uh, you all are in a situation where they're inside your 10, I believe, uh, with a chance to take the lead in that game, and, and, and you come up with that interception. How, how, how much of a, a you know, jolt does that give your team, knowing that no matter how close an imposing offense is to the end zone, we can still stand tall and not, not, not allow them to score, but also put points on the board ourselves? Well, I attribute that first of all to uh, Debo playing, watching film, and, and you know I, we say that we we uh, you know that was a, that was actually a play that they had that we had seen that uh, that we had prepared for in the red zone, and and, uh, and that was in that case I think they were right on uh, right inside the five, and, and uh, we kind of saw this formation. A lot of times when they threw, this was one of the things the routes the combinations they they ran, and Debo sat all over it. And so, first of all, again, good coaching, but a kid that watches a bunch of film. It doesn't surprise me Darian, uh, you know, has as many pass breakups as he has in our conference and then plus gets the pick six because he watches a ton of film and he's very instinctive. But you felt it. You looked across the sideline. um, You could just see their sideline. It's like the shoulders drooped and and it's like, here we go again. And, uh, you know, our guys, you know, again, we made a play when we needed to. And we've seen that all year. Uh, but yeah, Kerry, it's fun. I mean, it's hard to explain, but you know, when a team, you know, I think they got out early on us and we, uh, we tend to do that. I think one of our alums, uh, on the sideline after the game said, coach, it seems like I watch all year. You guys have to take a punch before you get going. I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. We were down 12 again. And next thing you know, we're, we go into halftime with the lead. So if that's who we are right now, that's who we are. But, uh, uh, it, it's a fun ride, though. Yeah, Coach, I'm, I was looking at that play, and, and it looked like you know the receivers were, receivers were stacked, and it looked like that's a play that he saw all week long. He knew that the out route was coming. He just jumped it, sitting in the flat, jumped it, and and that to me is is great coaching, but also a young man, as you said, that is disciplined enough to have seen it multiple times in practice and taking a chance to go and getting it and 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 you know receiving it, uh, receiving a benefit for for taking that risk. 
Well, you're right. And, you know, uh, and if there's a lesson, if, you know, I'm sure a bunch of our, uh, your kids and our kids and all our kids that are playing sports, if they were up listening to, that's, that's an example of what film study does. And, and, uh, you know, and so, you know, we saw other people, uh, defend that, uh, or they did as they prepared to. And, and, uh, we defended that a little different way and, and, uh, you know, just a little instinct and there it was. And, but it, it was the game changer because, you know, I think, you know, our defense, you know, they gave up 18 points um, on the day, and, and uh, which is which is really good for them against a really good rushing attack that Murray State had. Coach, before we let you go, you've had great crowds at Hunter Stadium this year, and tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day for football, and I know that you have tickets available. How can people get tickets to see the Lions? Yeah, come out. It's going to be, a, um, you know, it's the dark carnival weekend at Lindenwood, so there's a bunch of stuff going on out there. The tailgate's a great theme, and, and go to lindenwood.com uh, slash tickets, you know, um, you know, get on that because, uh, you know, the, the tailgating has just been off the charts this year, man, it, it, the environments with all the vendors and, and uh, you know, um, everything going on uh, be great. It'll be another great uh, Saturday for football here in St. Charles. No doubt a great atmosphere and a fun team to watch. Coach, thanks for the time. Good luck tomorrow. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. You too. See you later. That's Jed Stugart. He's the head coach at Division One Lindenwood, five and two, and they do play a fun brand of football. Man, it's it's fun to watch. You know what? It's it's impressing to me because to make the leap from from a division, you know, go up a division, go from D two to D one. Most times you don't have that that amount of success that early. Sometimes you take your licks, you take your your lumps, and and it's hard to get those guys to to be able to play at that next level of competition. They've jumped right in and, and been able to compete. They've had a couple of couple of cuff. Lo- Tuple, couple of tough losses. Wow! <laughs> a couple of tough losses uh, to some ranked teams, yeah. but but are able to continue to bounce back and and play well. Um, and so it's 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 exciting to watch and, and see how well they're doing as St. Louis's Division One football team. And by the way, Coach mentioned the tailgating and don't eat lunch tomorrow before you go to the game. Among the concessionaires, Chick Fil A, Picklemans, and our friends at Sugar Fire, Mike Johnson. And his staff always do great work. So have fun at Lindenwood tomorrow. I'll, and I think I'm going to go over there and check them out. Go check them out. It might be a football weekend for I got, me. I got, I got a kid that may be there this weekend. Good luck to him. Yep, good yep. luck. Next up, we're going to talk some golf with our buddy Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Every Friday morning, Jay Delsing joins us to talk golf. Of course, you can hear golf with Jay Delsing Sunday mornings at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you? Well, uh, everything's great. I want to start with this because th- this can be a tough time of year. Obviously, it's difficult sometimes if you lose a lot of golf balls and the, the weather's bad. Once the weather gets bad to get out and play, how much advantage do you derive from going and playing at a simulator or going and playing at a Top Golf? Oh, my gosh, Randy. Well, well first of all, it's th- nothing beats being able to get out and play outside on the turf on a golf course nothing beats that but the the it's the next best thing first of all top golf does a phenomenal job making the experience fun there's music there's cocktails and it's kind of like this video game type atmosphere that that has shown by the national golf foundation to actually it is actually bringing people into the game which 
which, you know, I'm a huge proponent of just growing the game any which way we can. But the simulators are fun too, Randy, because you have, um, you can get leagues, you can play um, historic golf courses that, that are mimicked pretty damn well on the screens. And it's just, an, uh, if, if, if there's any way when the weather turns lousy that you can keep swinging, it helps so much that when the weather does turn nice in the spring again that you can get back out. It helps a lot. And I know our friends over at Family Golf Center have a couple of really beautiful simulators and a restaurant there. Wildwood Pub and Grill also has simulators and, and a great restaurant vibe over there. And as you mentioned, Top Golf, the, the food, the drinks, the ambiance there is great. There are plenty of places to go and swing your clubs when it's 30 degrees outside. That's my point. No, absolutely. And the one thing that the uh, Top Tracer technology does, they use it on TV and they use it on in those simulators. It really helps you get a sense for where and what the golf ball is doing. And the stuff that Adam has at, at uh, Family Golf and Learning Centers and the stuff that Wildwood Pub has, you're actually hitting uh, a much uh, more authentic golf ball, Randy, than the one that's got the chip in it mm-hmm. at, uh, at Top Golf. Top Golf does a really great job with the graphics. And the and the game component with the targets and it's lit and the the music it's really fun. But that golf ball leads a little to be desired in terms of re, you know something that you and I would call really really uh, close to to being uh, actually like you'd have outside. All right, Jay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a tough one here. Let's say you are a a golf instructor and you are uh, tasked with. Fixing a golf swing. Now, this is a person who has done nothing. They are just learning. But I'm only going to give you two things, the two most important things that you have to fix on a golfer. What are those two things? Oh, my gosh. So we're getting someone that's starting from scratch. You've got to get his or her hands on the club reasonably well. And what I say, what I mean by that is, you, you don't just grab the the golf club like it's a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do, but you, you don't. You've got to get it, and, and there's a reason behind it. The golf club, when you when you turn the club upside down, it gets above your head. It needs it needs to have some support so that it's not moving all over the place because it's, it's not like the rounded bat in a baseball where you can hit any side of it. You're just trying to hit the ball solidly. You've got to make connections with the center or somewhat close to the center of that club face and your, and your iron. So the first thing I would do is get their hands on the club uh, in a way that's either got, you know, the interlock or the overlap grip. Second of all, and I'd probably do this first is ask them the question, did you, what other sports have you played? Did you play hockey? Did you play um, tennis or have you played baseball? Because guys, the lower half of the swing, except we're not taking a step like you, like you see the guys do it in baseball, um, is so similar to um, the bottom half of the movement in a in a in a ground stroke with tennis, in a slap shot with hockey. The lower body leads the way, and so if someone did try to play that sport, Gary doesn't do you much good for football. I know, but anyways, I learned that very quickly, Jay. <laughs> right, right. If, if someone played softball, for example, if this young lady played softball, for example, I think this is a pitch in the dirt. Widen your stance so you've already stepped and then hit it like it's a pitch in the dirt and lead with that lower half because carry every once in a while. And, and Rock experienced this when we played 
um, at the media day event for the Ascension Charity Classic, one part in that day, you will hit a ball and you're going to go, wow, I've never hit one like that before. And Matthew had a couple of really great drives that day. And um, so that, that's, that's, that's where I'd go. Jay, one of the things that I learned, I, I have been taught my entire life to bend my knees, get in the football stance, and everything is from that position. And, and when I went to do my first golf lesson, I was so short and stocky and bent over and hunched over. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. We, <laughs> we're going to have to fix that. Ma'am, I've been in this position for my entire life. I don't know any other athletic position. So, yes, I, that definitely football does not really translate well into golf and and I'm learning how to get myself standing up correctly so I, so that I can hit the ball further. Gary, you're way too muscular for golf. We're, we're, you, know, you, can't, you can't pull fat when we golfers. We don't pull any muscles because we got a lot of fat. But guys, before I went to UCLA, there's a story that went around about four or five years before the program really took off. No one wanted to coach the golf team at UCLA. So they went to one of the assistant coaches because they had heard he had played before. And he said, well, what the hell, I'll take it. And I think they paid him four or five grand to do that. And they had a match out at Bel Air. And we played against USC, which is obviously our rival. And we lost by one stroke. And the coach made the golf team. This is legendary around Bel Air. Take all, all, I think there were 12 guys on the team. They had to run the front nine with their golf bags over their head. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's punishment. That? That, is, that is punishment. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure nobody made it. You know, I'm sure they got to about the first part five uphill. They're like, nah, let's not do this anymore. Hey, Jay, for any golfer out there, you mentioned hitting the ball on the center of, of the club face. And I know you've seen this when Tigers, and people can Google it, when Tigers, uh, the Tiger Slam clubs were up for auction, one of his wedges is shown with only one mark. It's like three quarters of an inch right on the middle of, of the bottom of the club. Have you ever seen anybody else like that who hit the middle of the club as consistently as Tiger did? Oh, Randy, most of the tour players, if they keep their if they keep their irons uh, or, or or work as hard as Tiger did, most of the tour players have irons that are have uh, will, will be like that. Back in the day, guys, we didn't get to change our irons very often. So, um, and then once the the tour started, you know, getting more prominent, we got to get new sets every year. And so you don't see it that much any, anymore. But most of all the tour players back in the day all had that war spot, that worn out spot, right in the sweet spot of their irons. It's, it's. Um, I'd say Tiger's was a little smaller than most of everybody else's, <laughs> but a lot of the tour players have that. So Jay, we were uh, looking at the the weather for next weekend, and and it seems as though it's going to still be warm. And we're trying to figure out is next weekend the time where we get outside and us three versus you and and try to make this thing go down. Let's let's do it. Let's let's try the. Um, I think Saturday might be great. Maybe we can do a, a ten thirty or eleven. Let it get a little warmer and, and and try to get out. What I think we can make Saturday or Sunday work. I like both of those. Uh, text from the three one four quickly, Jay. Uh, somebody says, Jay, I've lost a ton of power in my driver the last two years. Help, and then asterisk asterisk asterisk. It's not age. Lol. So if it's not age, what do you think would cause somebody to lose yardage on the driver? Well, something's happening that you're not hitting. The, just like what we just said about Tiger, something's happening so that you're not hitting the ball in the center of the club face. What I'm guessing is that he's probably, you know, guys, for, for whatever reason, when, when all of us have hit that one drive and it goes 
exceptionally wonderful. It's almost always straight, right? You're like, it, it goes right down the middle. It almost shocks us. And we look up mm-hmm. and we're like, oh God, how the hell do we do that again? So what I'm guessing is you've got to check out your your stance. Most, I'll, I'll assume this, this guy's a right-handed golfer and most right-handed golfer slice the ball. And so what happens, guys, is that you start playing the slice too much. And and they're going to say to me, Delsing, man, I'm hitting the ball. I'm slicing it so much. And now you're telling me that I need to aim for the right. And that is exactly what I'm telling you to do. You've got to square up as if you're going to hit this ball down the center of the fairway or let's say the left center of the fairway. And you've got to try to work your swing path more consistently down the middle because, Randy, you know this. We talked about this when we played. If you start aiming incorrectly, you start making adjustments in your swing, and it's so hard to hit the ball squarely. It just doesn't work. And if you wind up playing, usually you play a 10-yard slice, which is not bad at all, and you're having this bad day, and you start aiming further and further left that ball starts slicing more and more yep. because you're mm-hmm. setting it up to do that in your setup. So and what good players work on more than anything, guys, is trying to get their bodies in good positions before they swing. And so what I tell this, this guy is try to get set up parallel left to where you want to hit this ball and stack your, your feet, knees, hips, and shoulders on top of each other, and then try to take the club away a little bit slower. The first 10, 15 inches on your backswing, just try to get it, take it back a little slower because what happens is we get all this anxiety that runs through. Kerry, this probably doesn't mean this probably doesn't happen for you, but most of us get all this anxiety that runs through our body. And then we grab, we're, we're squeezing the hell out of the shaft and the grip, and we're trying to hit it hard, and we hit it shorter every single time. And there are a ton of really good teachers in St. Louis. I would recommend go take an hour lesson. It, a good teacher is going to make such a big difference. And tune the, if you used to hit the driver well and you aren't hitting it well, go get tuned up by a teacher, and they can, they can help you out dramatically. One other thing, Jay, and this is from a taller golfer. You're tall. Uh, if you're over 6'3", how important is it to get fitted for clubs? Oh, well, we've, we've said this all along, and, and Tom DeGrand gives a great lesson at, at uh, Pro-Am Golf Centers, but, and CJ is a great fitter there, but you have to get fitted. You have to get fitted because you're giving away so much distance and power and consistency in, in, a, in a golf set of golf clubs that's built for somebody that's 5'10", or five foot eleven, which is about the average height of golfers, by the way. And at six foot three, you're going to have longer arms. You're going to need you're going to need longer shafts, and you're going to need a different lie angle, especially on your irons, to be able to get to get that club through the hitting area. It's it's and guys, the 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 fitting process at Pro Am Golf Centers it, uh, uh, only costs forty dollars. And if you mention my name, instead of they usually charge you 80, they're going to only <laughs> charge you 20 this time. So go over there and, and get fitted. It's a, it's a great experience. And it might be your first time, Randy, that you're on a simulator for these mm-hmm. folks. And they're going to get to see how fun it is to watch that ball fly in those screens. Did you say if it, it's usually 20 and if you mention Jay Delsing's name, it's 80? <laughs> Usually it's 40, but if you mention me, it's 80. But now they're going to give you 20 off. Yeah, they're they're working a special this month. Who do you got on your show this weekend, Jay? I have Jack Connell from Dalhousie, who's a a great guy. And uh, and, uh, Dalhousie is a a, a real gem uh, in the the Missouri area down in um, 
Cape Girardeau. Uh, yeah, Cape That's Girardeau. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and then we did our our second live remote, Randy, from the loading dock. And so Peter Allen and his family have owned this area over in uh, Grafton, Illinois. Really a cool spot. I love so, the loading dock. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. We went over there where the weather was nice, and it, that, that patio has room, I think, for seven or eight hundred people. There wasn't a spot open. That's fantastic. What about if you're looking for a patio for a, a nice glass of wine tonight in St. Louis? Oh gosh, let me think. How about Wild Crush? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for the for the plug. Yeah, the patio is fantastic. We have heaters, and um, we got wine. I mean, what else do you need? Uh, doesn't get any better than that. Jay, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, I'll text you. We'll see if we can line up next weekend. Sounds great, brother. Thanks. Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It with Carrie, Matthew, and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy and CD after the loss by the Buccaneers last night. Tom Brady is three games under 500 for the first time in his career. Uh, take it or leave it. If Tom Brady would have played for the St. Louis Rams between 2007 and 2015, they could have solved that problem for him. Oh, take it. Nah. <laughs> he, he wouldn't have saved yeah, them. He wouldn't have saved them at all. My, my, my take it or leave it is Tom Brady as well. So, as you said, they sit at 3-5 and five right now, yeah. have two more games before the uh, bye week against the Rams and the, versus the Seahawks. Could be 3-7 and seven by the time they get mm-hmm. to the bye week. Take it or leave it, he doesn't come back after the bye week. Take it. He, he just says, I've had enough. Yeah. I, you know, my wife was right. Yep. I'm ruining, you know, my 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 home, first of all, yep. and, and clearly my legacy. Well, maybe not my legacy, but, yeah. you know, you don't want to go out on this note. But he's, he's going to say, yeah. Fake an injury. Yeah. Ah. He can do that. He can say, My oh. arm. Didn't you see me skipping those yeah. passes? Yeah. It's not, yeah. it doesn't have just enough juice in it to get it to where it needs to go. Right. So, and by the way, the, the stat was, in his 23 seasons as an NFL quarterback, he's never been on a team two or more games under 500 until now. 23 Absolute, years. Absolutely amazing. Phenomenal. All right, your text, 65780. Matthew, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals make a huge splash this offseason after John Mosellock's comments about the payroll. Huge, huge is relative. Is a, yeah, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Do you For them, for example... <laughs> Contreras, four years, $40 million. Would that be considered a huge splash by the Cardinals? They gave Matt's 44 over four last year. Uh, because it's a bat and, you know, catchers are just naturally not going to make the same as outfielders. I, I qualify it, yes. To me, a huge splash would be a short stop for $25 million a year or more. I agree. And I that, don't think that that's That, to happening. me, is a huge splash. Yeah. So, I, mm, I'm i going to leave it I, I, because I don't see it being a short stop. I, I think... For some reason, they they feel very comfortable at in the middle infield yeah. area. So I don't I don't see a shortstop being the the huge splash. I don't know where that splash comes from, Randy. 
but it will be more money spent. Maybe it's not a huge splash. Maybe it's just drips here and there. Yeah, they aren't getting Jerry, Jacob DeGrom, all right? So that's not going to be one of the starting pitchers out there. My guess would be that that would the, – the, the, the name to focus on early on at least would be Contreras. And – they seem content with the outfield. We talked yesterday about O'Neill and Jordan Walker in addition to having Dylan Carlson and Lars Newtbar. And I don't know that the outfielder that you'd want to get that would be substantially better than what you project to have. Not what you have, but what you project to have. I don't know if that outfield is out there. Outfielder's think, out there in free I think, agency. I think you're more sold on Dylan Carlson than I am at mm-hmm. this point. I think if you were to tell me the the game the the, the Cardinals had to play tomorrow, my starters would be Jordan, Tyler O'Neill, mm-hmm. and Newt. 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 I just look at Dylan Carlson still, a healthy Dil- Dylan Carlson, as an 800, 810, 820 OPS guy. I, I think that he can be a 360 on base with a uh, a 480 slug. I, I could easily see him providing that. Well, off that, take it or leave it, the Cardinals trade Dylan Carlson to address an infield concern. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Randy's going to leave that. I'm I think gonna, I'll leave, leave it, it as well. I, I, I'll <laughs> leave it as well. I don't think they're going to trade him, um, but I just – I don't see – I think Tyler O'Neill is going to be the better – I mean, health is is always the concern for for players having opportunities to play. Um, so, healthy. Here's the thing. we One thing we know about John Mozeliak is that he's patient. He's not going to go to a guy and say, we're not trading you for Juan Soto. The guy gets hurt less than a week later, and he's never healthy again, and then all of a sudden you don't like him. I agree. That's fair. Take it or leave it. The early betting line for the opening drive versus Delsing matches. Delsing minus 750, and that's being generous. No, I'll Whoa. take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Whoa. Unfortunately. I mean, we're playing best ball, correct? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's three, yeah, three, three minutes scramble, baby. We're going to find a way, Randy. Now, McKernan, in his battle against Chris Nagel, they, those five guys, they played from the tips just like the pro did. I wonder if Jay will allow us to play up a little bit. <laughs> we'll see. He probably won't. No, probably they probably won't. Yeah, they have McKernan and Jackson, and those those guys are both bombers. That's true. They're good. God. We and can make it happen. And then Iggy Iggy did a video where he hit nine out of ten uh, greens from forty yards out. That's amazing. Guy's got a good guy's got you know he's he's got good good iron play. I took for doing a great that. clinic, a, a great short game clinic uh, last week at, at Fox Run. Ooh. My buddy Scott provided that, so I'm going to actually practice and okay. uh, see if we can get that short game going a little bit. Weather's going to be gorgeous over the next week, so we got to get out there and, and get some practice in. Take it or leave it. Best thing for the Blues is to miss the playoffs and get younger assets for Tarasenko and O'Reilly at the trading deadline. No, I'll leave it. There, there is nothing about. Missing the playoffs, it's ever better than making the playoffs. There is nothing uh, as a as a as a pro athlete and as a pro sports fan. Why would you want your team? Why would you? This is, we're not the Orlando Magic. This is not the 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 uh, uh, who was another friend the the New York Jets of old. Mm-hmm. You don't miss playoffs for draft picks. You try to win the chip every single year. That's so a you never. Who the hell? That's the Steeler in you. No, never. I'm not (laughs) taking a season off to lose. That's what losers do, sir. Hey, if you give me an opportunity, even if the Blues are the eighth-seeded team in the West, 
with those players that you mentioned and Jordan Binnington and the talent that they have, if these Blues are healthy, even if they're the eighth seed, I would not dismiss them as a Stanley Cup contender. And why is that, Randy? Because you, you've seen it with your own eyes before. I have. There you go. So you never... Don't argue. I'm not going to. We, we don't have to. You can go ahead, Rock. I'm not going to dive into that anymore. We don't want to lose. There you go. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> like how angry Gary is about this. <laughs> Taking or leave it. The Cardinals have more opportunities to make a splash at store stops simply based on the amount of free agents available. Take it. Yes. Now, is Boston going to not spend on a shortstop if they don't have Bogarts? Bogarts? No. They're, the Dodgers are going to spend. The Dodgers will probably keep Turner. My guess is that the Red Sox will probably keep Bogarts. Correa opting out? There's a possibility for you. It's Dansby Swanson, I would guess, stays. And by the way, in 2001 or 2011, everybody expected Albert Pujols to stay here. But you'd think that Dansby Swanson, as tied as he is to Atlanta, would stay there. But there is going to be a shortstop that leaves a team, and there aren't going to be enough big money teams for that, uh, unless like Correa goes back to Minnesota, for, for that guy to get a monster contract. How much are you looking at for, for Correa? If uh, Correa wants thirty million, twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-six. He, he wants thirty million a year. Now, the Cardinals aren't going to go and get another twenty-six plus million dollar player. I don't think, but I think Correa's value right now, I, I would say twenty-eight 20. a year, twenty-eight million a year for for five years. It's not terrible, Randy. No, not based on his history. No, I, I would actually like that a lot. I would love it. Yeah. Now, are the, I, I would think if the Cardinals, if they got that offer, five years and $28 million a year, that might be something that they at least take a cursory look at. Because they are paying Goldie $26 million a year, and they are paying, they're going to wind up paying over the course of the next several years, if he doesn't opt out, Arenado, uh, 35 Now, the game changes at shortstop if Arnado opts out too. Mm. If Arnado's yeah. not here, then yeah. all of a sudden you got you're, you're looking at hard at the yeah. shortstops, yeah. and you, Jordan Walker's your third baseman, or or Gorman. Yeah, Gorman, I think. Take it or leave it. For not doing anything, Justin Herbert is highly overhyped. I'll leave that. Justin Herbert is a, a you're not gonna you can't blame Justin Herbert for who his head coach is. He has he he has played outstanding. Mike Williams got hurt last weekend. Keenan Allen has been hurt this season. They they often Keenan Allen often has some some injuries, um, but he's an outstanding football player. But the, the 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 head coaching issue of Brandon Staley and not you know making clear decisions. They should Justin Herbert should have been a playoff quarterback last year. You get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So it changes the narrative of who you are as a player when. You are being coached by, you know, people who may not know what they're doing. I am a Justin Herbert fan, and I think he's an outstanding quarterback. First two years in the league, a record 9,350 yards, a record 69 touchdowns in 32 games. He is not overhyped. He is an absolute stud. He definitely is. He's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. I I would agree. Patrick. Allen. Allen. Would you put Jalen Hurts in there right this season? This this season. This season, Jalen. Let's, eh, let's see. Okay, you're gonna. Uh, I'm giving you a quarterback for the next ten years in the NFL. Joey right. Burrow is is okay. The, there's Joey three. B. Um, 
You might be right, Randy. I don't. I don't. I, I'm looking at I this list. Over Derek Carr, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's better than he, anybody in the NFC West. There, yes, better than anybody in the NFC South. Uh, better than anybody in the NFC or the I, AFC South. Do you the way that Lamar, Aaron Rodgers is playing this year? I would, I wouldn't put him in my top five. So no, Lamar, no. I would Lamar five A six. So those six would be would be my top. What about Dak? Do you put Dak no, in that class? No, he is he has missed too many games. We're talking solely on this season, or are we talking uh, in in general? If I go the last two years, last two years since, since Herbert, I came, still wouldn't put Dak in that in that okay. discussion. I would put Lamar in there. I would put Justin Herbert. I would put Joey B. I would put Patrick uh, and 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 Josh, and and then you'd be hard pressed to get yep. me to say anyone else. So yeah, there's your 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 half dozen. Geno Smith is playing better than Tom Brady this year. Yeah, he is. Jalen Hurts. We we uh, we we throw yeah. threw him in there. He, he, again, he's in the top ten. If you're going to take a guy for the next ten years, is does you take Mahomes before Hurts? I take Herbert before Hurts. I take Allen before yep. Hurts. I take Lamar yep. before Hurts and Joey Burrow and Joey Burrow. I take all of those guys yep. Yep. before Hurts. Not that I don't like him, but that is the kind of the yes. quality of what you got going right now. Yes. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN with the World Series starting tonight. How upset is John Mozeliak that the Cardinals haven't even won an NLCS game since 2014? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. For those predisposed to do so, there are a lot of complaints about the St. Louis Cardinals haven't won a World Series since 2011, haven't been in a World Series since 2013, haven't won an NLCS since 2013, and haven't won an NLCS game since 2014. And John Mozeliak was asked on Wednesday during his press conference if the frustration of not being uh, an NLCS champion or not winning an NLCS game since 2014, if that bothered him. And this was his response. Um, I think that's your narrative. It's not mine. Um, mine is that we win baseball games. You know, we, we get a chance to play in October. A lot of teams can't say that. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to try to uh, put together a roster that gets us there. And we hopefully, uh, you know, have more success in the future. Now, the Cardinals have won 11 world championships since 1926. We're almost 100 years in. And the average carry is a world championship every 10 years, even though they won three of them in the 40s and they they won a couple in the 60s. And they've gone some decades without winning a championship. Heck, they went 24 years between 1982 and 2006 without winning a world championship. But the expectation of the Cardinal fan is that they're going to succeed more often than they have and they're going to win an NLCS game more often than they have, which is since 2014. Like he said, we're a team that wins games and gets into the playoffs. Since 2004, 24 regular season games played without a chance to make the playoffs. And more years than not, they they do make the playoffs. 
should that be good enough? Is getting into the tournament and having a chance every year good enough, or do they need to get over the top and overcome the randomness of the postseason? Do they essentially do they need to find the magic that other teams like the Dodgers and Yankees and Angels can't find? Well, I think you have to have a team that's in the playoffs in order to win a World Series. Last time I checked, I think that that's the main criteria is to winning a championship is to actually being in. So they're doing that part. They're just not winning once they get in. And so you have to figure out what that formula is to to have guys show up in those key moments. I think game one versus the Philadelphia Phillies was a very good game up until the ninth inning. Everything you could have go right went right until that ninth inning, and then it exploded, and now you're on the outside looking in. I would say, and I know this is hard for for Cardinal fans to to digest, I'm not telling you to be happy or be satisfied, but there is an alternative, and that alternative is maybe you root for the Cincinnati Reds, who maybe if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, you understand that we're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe you're a fan of the Miami Marlins, and you got 10,000 people showing up to games. there are franchises in all professional sports that have that would literally do just about anything to have the success that the Cardinals have had. The Browns made a terrible decision by signing a quarterback who had multiple uh, uh, lawsuits against him because they don't win. And they are in a position that they want to win. And so they are doing just about anything to win games. And and so, you know, the per- the perception of, of what Deshaun has done is 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 bad enough, but that they want to win games. So you are on a you are a fan of a franchise that, as you said, Randy, twenty four games since when? Two thousand four. That is a that is a that is a franchise that knows how to win games that has continued to win games. Maybe it's not the number of championships that you would like, and and obviously the goal is to always win at the end of the season. But you have to be there in order to even have that opportunity to win a championship. How many years did you play in the NFL? Six. How many Super Bowl championships? Uno. And you played on a really for a really I good played, organization. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that was an organization that went to. Three Super Bowls in a in 05, 08, and 2010. So they went to, but won two of them. You mm-hmm. know, one, two, two out of three. There are organizations that don't get that opportunity. And guess what, Randy? Don't we they, know that here in St. Louis. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. Yeah, right. So there hard. are fans in Pittsburgh clamoring. Why haven't we been to the Super Bowl? We went to, we won four in the 70s. We won in the in in, in the 2000s. Why haven't we? Because it's hard to win championships because those guys in, in college, those guys on scholarship too, they getting, they're getting paid as well to play. So uh, it's frustrating, but you, you, you have to be, I don't want to say content, but just be excited or, or, or happy with the fact that your team has an opportunity to win because you could play, you could be in another franchise and it would not be that, that exciting week in and week out, year in and year out. Yeah, I think for whatever reason, John Mosellock has become a polarizing presence. You would think that with the success that the organization has had overall, I mean, since he got here, the team has won two World Series and four pennants. And as we've mentioned, had tremendous regular season success. Hasn't happened often enough. But I I was reading you guys 
tw- tweets from Yankee fans yesterday that say the exact same thing. <laughs> that, oh, Hal Steinbrenner only wants to make money. He doesn't care about winning. You telling me Hal Steinbrenner doesn't care about winning? Come on. And that's a, the same accusations of DeWitt. I guess it's a natural reaction when your team doesn't win as much as you expect it to win. Now, I do think the Cardinals can do some things better. I thought Dan Schulman made a great point yesterday about what Houston does in signing older international guys mm-hmm. and Two of their big starting pitchers, Framber Valdez and uh, Luis Garcia, both were signed beyond the age of 18 after they had switched positions in International League Baseball uh, down, down in Latin America. There are things that, that the Cardinals can do better, but I think overall it's kind of, and I know you hate to hear this, it's kind of unreasonable to expect any pro sports team to win the championship every year. It, they it aren't is. going to win it every year. Nobody does. And, and so the New England Patriots are, are probably one of the franchises that you could say over the past 20 years would, would be probably mm-hmm. one of those teams that you, they had an opportunity to win it every year. They're going to go through a period over the next 20 years where they may not sniff a championship. And, and it all evens itself out. And you're going to have Patriots fans losing their mind because well, why aren't we... You, you had a great run. You had a great time, and and, and you got to reboot. And so now the Cardinals are in a position where they are they, they made the playoffs. They continue to make the playoffs. They have to find that thing or that person that gets them over the hump uh, in the playoffs and propels them to a championship team. I, I think that they have a lot of the pieces in place right now. I think if you go uh, in, in the free agency market and find different pieces to help get you over that hump. I think they have an opportunity uh, with the young guys coming up and with the guys that they can get to be a championship team. They just have to make the playoffs and then go do it from there. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues. They fell to the Nashville Predators 6-2 last night. Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider from The Athletic, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The opening drive with Randy Carricker and Super Bowl champion Gary Davis on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Sumner One. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic, joins us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well, although I'm used to that 8.45 time slot. 8.15, this is Joey's time. I feel like I should be uh, telling you guys how to make Himalayan cheese sauce or pineapple upside down. (laughs) We're going to learn that at 8.45 today. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, 6-2 loss last night. Obviously, the Blues have played here the night before, and Nashville was kind of lying in wait, but that that doesn't always excuse a 6-2 loss, does it in this case? No, I don't think so. You know, I think uh, you look at the situation and, you know, several times throughout this year, we're going to be asking the question, what's wrong with the Blues? And sometimes, I guess a lot of times, uh, we'll overanalyze it, right? But I think it's pretty simple in this case. I think it boils down to about three factors. It's the puck play. It's the uh, puck management. It's the execution with the puck. Everything to do with the puck right now, it's just been a struggle. And I think we could say that was the case with a few of the games that they won. Certainly not the Edmonton game. That was terrific. But they were covering it up, I think, with some goals early on and then great goaltending all the way through. So to me, that's the biggest thing. Secondly is the injury. Uh, I think that uh, when you lose one guy, it's tough. When you lose a couple, it gets tougher. And right now with uh, Buchnevich and Saad both out, that makes it difficult on the Blues. And then number two 
you kind of touched on it there, Randy, but uh, you had Winnipeg the other night, and they were just coming off a, a bad loss to Toronto, embarrassed them at home. The Toronto Maple Leafs fans were going nuts at that place. Similar last night, uh, Nashville, you got a team that's winless in the last five. So we can't forget that these teams are hungry, too. So, you know, I think you talk about the puck play, you talk about the injuries, you talk about these teams want to win hockey games, too. That's what's happening right now with the Blues. Hey, JR, JR when I was watching that game, it looked to me at, at times that the Preds were, were more physical uh, and, and just a little bit more quicker. What do you think that, that causes that, or, or, or did you see that as well, and, and, and how do they rectify that? Yeah, definitely. And and I think that's part of uh, the Predators being hungry, a good team, proud team, and had, hadn't won in a while. Uh, but I do think that uh, the Blues coming off the back-to-back, like Randy mentioned, you know, that's probably something, too. But, you know, I think the Blues need to be more physical. And Craig Ruby's talked a lot about going to the net more. I think they did that a little bit. They've been picking that up a little bit lately. Uh, but you, you talk about missing some guys, and now you've got to tweak your line. You've got to move guys around. Uh, they got Barbashev on that third line. You know, what will they do with that fourth line? Uh, that fourth line, I don't think, had really established itself yet, but was starting to show some signs. So, you know, I think that uh, when you talk about competing with a team physically, uh, it, it just wasn't there as much as it needs to be. Jerry, I think I, I would agree that the, the, the forwards being out probably plays a larger part. Uh, the back-to-back doesn't really concern me because it's still early in the season. I think that – and you're playing a divisional opponent. I, I would have just liked to have seen them uh, have a little bit more energy and not really feel like they got bullied on the boards at, at times. Yeah, definitely. There were definitely situations there last night. But, you know, to me, if you're giving up the puck and, and the other team's coming back at you the whole time, it's hard to kind of get on the prowl and get on the forecheck and, and go do those things. So – you know, until they can get this puck play figured out, I think that's the situation they're going to be in. Because if you look at all these games, especially these losses, it's just odd man rush after odd man rush. They're giving up the puck, and, and you got three guys coming at you. So I think that's what's been the situation. It just doesn't allow the Blues to be in a position where they can uh, play as physical as they need to be. JR, what about the goaltending situation, specifically the backup goaltending situation with Grice? What are your impressions? Obviously, he faced a lot of shots last night. Yeah, and he did the other night as well. And for the most part, I think he's been good. There were probably one, maybe two uh, last night. But, uh, you know, I think the, the, the turnovers that I mentioned kind of didn't help him out. But a couple of those goals, he made the initial save, and, and they scored, I think, three on Reeves. Again, uh, there, there isn't strong enough play for me in front of the net. So when you talk about this defense, I like them that they can skate. I like them that they can move the puck. I really like this top four. I do. But when there's a loose puck in front of the net and it gets put in on the rebound, you can watch the replay and see one of the defensemen standing nearby. And they're just, you know, I understand you got to come to grips with the fact that the uh, hockey's evolved and, you know, there's not a Chris Pronger to whack you like there used to be. But there's got to be some more physicality, uh, some more boxing out in front of the net when that happens. And, and so I like what Thomas Grace has done so far. I think he's given them what they hoped uh, that he would give them still early, but a uh, good sign so far. Hey, JR, what are your thoughts about uh, Jordan Cairo being moved to the line with O'Reilly and Tarasenko? Uh, does that help them or help him more? Well, I think they needed to do something because – I'm sorry, Thomas needs, and, and, and Tarasenko. Yeah, Thomas and Tarasenko. I, I think uh, they needed to do something. Uh, it's not just Cairo. Like I wrote about Cairo what, yesterday. Uh, he just looks lost to me. You know, I think that uh, he's still getting some shots. He's still getting some scoring opportunities. But there's a lot of missed shots and there's a lot of fumbling of pucks. But – you know, I try to be careful here because it's team-wide right now. They're just not getting the production from, from anybody, the cohesiveness. It's not translating into five-on-five goals. Uh, but I think that Ryan O'Reilly and Jordan Kyrou have yet to find 
some chemistry. And so when that happens after two, three, four games, you know, Craig Booby has to mix it up, and that's what he's done. So uh, to me, you have to wait until you get Pavel Buchnevich back. What are you going to do then? Because at that point, you like Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko, so where does that leave Cairo if it's with O'Reilly? They've still got a lot of work to do to figure that out. Is there any update on, on Buchnevich? No, nothing. Uh, obviously didn't play last night. And I know people get pretty riled up. Hey, this started out as a maintenance day and it's been lingering this long. Uh, you know, we go by what the team uh, tells us. And I think that uh, the team goes by what the player tells them. And, and I think initially it probably wasn't much. And after a day or two, it still was still bothering Pavel Buchnevich talking about this lower body injury. And then it just makes sense to be uh, cautious and, and wait a bit, especially here earlier in the season. So I think it's gone on a little bit longer than everybody envisioned. Uh, we'll just have to see. The Blues are off today, Kerry, so uh, the game tomorrow, we'll see if Buchnevich will be on the ice this weekend. Likely not in a game because uh, he would need some practices after being gone this long. Finally, Jay, our younger fans might not realize that back in the day, the home team wore white in the NHL. They didn't wear the dark color. And one of the great things about the home team wearing white is that you got to see the Montreal Canadiens red jersey or the Blackhawks red jersey, which a lot of people, it actually makes them see red. I have no idea why the NHL has teams wear the dark jersey at home. They should always wear the white jersey at home, and tomorrow night is the main reason because everybody should have the opportunity to see the Montreal Canadiens red jersey in person. Yeah, I love it. I like that idea. And this is obviously a, a debate that I hear a lot covering the beat for the 18 years. And I'm with you. You know, I think uh, Gary Bettman switched that at one point. I can't remember if he said he wanted to see the uh, the home team, the home crowd, see the colors. Uh, I, I would like to see the opposite. I would like to see Montreal come in in their red. And guess who we'll get to see tomorrow night? Uh, Jake Allen. I spoke with him a couple days ago. He is now the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens with Carey Price going through his uh, issue with his knee, which is likely uh, career-ending. And uh, Jake in a really, really good spot. Just signed a new two-year extension that kicks in next year. Just had uh, their third baby girl a week ago, and uh, he's looking forward to coming back. Uh, He did make his first trip back to St. Louis last year. uh, Blues won that one, so Jake said hopefully uh, we can show a little better against the Blues on Saturday. And one of the really good guys that we've run across in this business, right? He's great. I got a piece coming out on him uh, in The Athletic, I believe, later this afternoon, and uh, he really shares some memories of St. Louis. And I'll give you a little peek here. Uh, He has a souvenir from the Stanley Cup something that he took that he was not supposed to take during each of those games. And uh, I'll let you guys read that in The Athletic later on. Looking forward to a great tease. JR, as always, thanks for joining us. And uh, stick around because we'll have a recipe for you in about uh, 15 minutes or so. (laughs) I can't wait. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey, have a good weekend. You too. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Next up, we need a new fighter for the fight. Text in the word fight to 65780 right now on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Gary Davis, and joined by Matthew Rocchio, and this is the fight. 
Um, Matthew, we were having some discussion here, so we were we are we're trying to get some things correct. Make sure we got everybody on on the same page and are ready to roll. It's on your head today. It's on me. If if it's if, if, I'll take it. I I will take that. If it if it if it goes down wrong for this one particular question, I'll take it. All right, fair All enough. Right. Fair enough. Who we got for a fighter today? We got Adam. Adam, how are you doing this morning? Oh, living the dream. How are you guys? Hey, I'm living the dream as well. Glad to be here. Me as well. All right, Adam, you ready to roll? Let's do it. Who is the only Blues player to win the Calder Memorial Trophy as an NHL Rookie of the Year? Is it Vladimir Tarasenko, Bernie Federko, or Barrett Jackman? believe it was Barrett Jackman. On this day in 2011, the Cardinals finished off one of the most memorable World Series in recent memory with a win over the Rangers. Who scored what would be the game and series-winning run in that Game 7 with a home run in the bottom of the third? Was that Alan Craig, Lance Berkman, or Raphael Fercal? Oh, man. Um, I should know this. I should know this. Um, I don't believe it was Fercal which leaves uh, Berkman and Craig. Um, give, me, give me Lance. Give me Lance Berkman. All right, Adam. Happy birthday to St. Louis native and NFL Hall of Famer Steve Atwater and his fellow Bronco Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. They are two of the five players from the Broncos' first ever Super Bowl team to make it into the Hall of Fame, alongside John Elway, Shannon Sharp, and who else? Rod oh. Smith, Neil Sm- Rod Smith, Neil Smith, or Gary Zimmerman? Um, give me Rod Smith. Let's do Rod Smith. All right. Of the original eight American League charter teams from 1901, which is the only one still playing in the same city under the same name? Is it the New York Yankees, the Baltimore Orioles, or the Detroit Tigers? It might. It might be the. It might be the Detroit Tigers. I'll go with the Tigers. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will rave in Randy Carriker. Adam, how you feeling? Not bad, actually. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I feel pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad either. My, my question that I helped rock change at the last minute, uh, <laughs> it may have gone well, so we'll see. We, we, Rocky O is waving down Randy Carriker like, an, like he's landing in an airplane. Uh, Randy finally saw him. I mean, I, so, was, I, I was doing full like a po- apocalypse now, trying to get the helicopter doing, at the, pretty at the much USO show. Yeah, was, he's, he's doing everything he can to, to alert Randy <laughs> to come back into the studio. Randy, say hello to Adam. Adam, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing today? No problem. I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Randy, you no ready? Problem. Ready, sir. All righty. Who is the only Blues player to win the Calder Memorial Trophy as an NHL Rookie of the Year? Barrett Jackman is. On this day in 2011, the Cardinals finished off one of the most memorable World Series in recent memory with a win over the Rangers. Who scored what would be the game and series winning run in that game with a home run in the bottom of the third? Home run in the bottom of the third. Was that Alan Craig? I believe it was. I will go with Alan Craig. Also cut the final out. Yeah, but everyone knows that. Yep. All right. 
Happy birthday to St. Louis native and NFL Football Hall of Famer Steve Atwater and his fellow Broncos Hall of Fame teammate Terrell Davis. They are two of the five players from the Broncos' first ever Super Bowl team to make it into the Hall of Fame, alongside John Elway, Shannon Sharp, and who else? Okay, so we've got Atwater, Sharp, Elway, TD, and I believe uh, the running back's name is Floyd Little. I'm, I'm going to do the lifeline, though, just to make sure. Because Floyd Little may have been a brown. I'm trying to think. Rod Smith, no. Neil Smith, no. or Gary Zimmerman? Um, well... Rod Smith and Neil Smith are not in the Hall of Fame, and Gary Zimmerman is. I would go with him. Are we sure that that Leroy Kelly, Leroy Kelly, is not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, we should probably check that. There. Leroy Kelly last played in. Oh, that's a different Leroy Kelly. Uh, no. Oh, okay, yeah, that was the wrong was, one. Uh, yeah. No, that was that was a Cleveland. See, yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. yeah he, he, Floyd Little. So Floyd Little is not a. I think. Uh, Right, Floyd Little is not in the Hall of Fame, correct? I don't. And, but uh, he was. In, he was done in '75. Floyd Little, yeah, Floyd Little is in fact in the Hall of Fame. His but last was, year with the Broncos was 1975. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so what, first yeah. Super Bowl winning team. Super Bowl sorry. winning team. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Gary Zimmerman. All right. Of the original eight American League charter teams from 1901, which is the only one still playing in the same city under the same name? Like, okay. I don't. I don't know if I need to clarify this or not. Always good for a clarification. So, like, would Chicago White Stockings and Chicago White Sox be the same thing? No, that would be a different name. Okay. New York was the Highlanders. Only the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Bad show, though. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have White Sox. Cleveland was the Spiders. Um, might be the Tigers because it's not the Royals or the Twins, it's not the Angels. A's were in Philly. Um, obviously Mariners, no Astros, um, no Rangers, and then Yankees, Red Sox, not yet. I think they were the Boston Americans. Yankees, Red Sox, Ray, no Rays, no Jays. Orioles were here. So I will, uh, through the process of elimination, go with the Detroit Tigers. Was Randy able to finish out his week in between his two vacation weeks just completely clean? Does the man just go on vacation, come back, run five wins up against the loyal fans, and then immediately go back out because it's World <laughs> Series week? Is that the style that this guy plays with? He's an assassin. You shouldn't be surprised. That's exactly the style he plays with. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. There it is. Randy Carricker got all four. It was a jack on the this Friday. I'm sorry, Adam. He beat you four to two. You gave a valiant effort, but unfortunately, Randy's feeling good on a Saturday, on a Friday before vacation. Just win, baby. <laughs> 
Good job, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I got smoked. Thank you so much for joining the show, Adam. You heard all the answers from Randy, but we'll go through them really quickly. It was Barrett Jackman, the only blue, shocking considering all the history, to win the Calder Memorial Trophy as the NHL Rookie of the Year. It was, in fact, Alan Craig who put the Cardinals up 3-2 and put them up for good in Game 7 of the 2011 World Series with a shot in the third. It was, in fact, Gary Zimmerman who was the fifth Hall of Famer from that first Super Bowl winning team from the Denver Broncos. John Elway, Gary Zimmerman, Shannon Sharp, SCL native Steve Atwater and then Terrell Davis. Randy, originally the question was a little bit easier. I had John Elway and Shannon Sharp, uh, John Elway and Gary Zimmerman in the question, and you just had to give me Shannon Sharp as the other. That would have been too easy. Yeah, I I told him. And and Romanowski was one of the options. I said there is no way in 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 hell that Romanowski spit on somebody and is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Good point. So he made the exact. Neil Smith had six six Pro Bowls, so he was closer than. He if he was going to be in the Hall of Fame, it would be for KC, right? Yeah, but yes, but, but he was, he on, was on, teams, on yeah. that team. Yeah, so right. you, you, you. So I had, I was trying to, you know, he change some things he up. It, he made it better. I liked it. Yeah. And then the last question of the eight original American League charter teams from 1901. It is in fact the Detroit Tigers, the only ones who have not moved a city or changed their name in any way over the last 100 plus years. The Detroit Tigers. Randy gets a jack win, four to two over Adam, and he closes out the week with a clean 5-0 record. All right. Nicely done, Randy. Randy, you said Highlanders, and I immediately went to uh, the Outsiders and Pony Boy. I don't know why. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. Uh, my brain does does strange things. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows what's going on here? Coming up next, Joe Vitale (laughs) will join us, our blues analyst, and uh, one of our favorite segments of the week. Joey V next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Friday forward to Friday for two reasons. Number one, the weekend is upon us. And number two, we get to visit with our friend Joey Vitale, our blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, one of the all-around all great and smart guys. He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now. Good morning, Joey V. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing excellent, man. Good good trip to Nashville, although the blues didn't get the win we were hoping for. But a good quick little turnaround and... Uh, now we've got some home cooking here for the Blues next week, week and a half, which is nice. All right, we got two things. Number one, for people that are going to be able to spend a couple of days in Nashville, give them a go-to. Well, geez, I mean, there's so many things. I, I would say for, we're, off the, we're off the hop. Uh, this place called Biscuit Love. It's, it's a great biscuit joint. You, you ever been there in Nashville? I have I've been to Nashville, but not to Biscuit Love. Yeah, so it's in, it's in there's a few different locations, but there's, there's an area called the Gulch which is kind of the up-and-coming, uh, trendy spot, I'd say, in Nashville, which has a lot of just wonderful restaurants. Uh, they also have a, a wonderful, like, uh, shake station, which is basically all desserts. Uh, but I would definitely say Biscuit Love. To me, that's, that, that's got to be up there with number one. And then uh, there, there's also some really, really great barbecue. There's, uh, there's the, the, the pork place, which is also in the Gulch, which I believe it is called, let me see if I can get this right, uh, the Pork... Lager. I think it's the Pork Lager. It's like top 10 in the, in the nation. They have all their trophies when you walk in. Uh, I stopped there yesterday for some pork and coleslaw. And then the Biscuit Love Place is just uh, to die for, especially if you like biscuits and gravy. And then there's a new shop actually here in Kirkwood. If, if, there, if there are a lot of biscuits out there, a biscuit 
happened a couple of years ago, and I kind of got into them a little bit. There's a new biscuit joint. I'm going to give a little shout-out to my buddy Mike. He just started this place in Kirkwood. Uh, wonderful, wonderful place. Um, Bees Biscuits. It, it's great. It's right off of uh, Argonne and Kirkwood. They're right by the Dewey's in Kirkwood. Uh, they just opened up a few weeks ago. They're kind of doing Thursday to Sunday hours right now. But uh, the place is absolutely exploding, lying down the block. So if you're a foodie in St. Louis and you like breakfast and you're into biscuits, um, give that one a whirl here in Kirkwood. Very nice. All right, Joey, I'm going to ask you one other question because, as you know, I am a, a veteran. I've been, so I've got an anniversary next week. 36 years I will have been married. But I, I find you to be brilliant and thoughtful. So give me some anniversary advice. Oh, my God. Well, it, first of all, 36. Don't they have, like, those uh, those anniversaries where you're supposed to give a certain gift? Is that is that right? Like, yeah, they have paper and this? wood and, yeah. <laughs> so and what, what's 36? What's 36? We have to check that out. We'll do it right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe it's all more important ones, like the 5 and 10. I can't imagine every year they have something. Oh, gosh, marriage by, you know what, uh, let me step away from the house because I, <laughs> I can't have my wife here because uh, he called me a hypocrite. Um, man, 36 years. First of all, congratulations. Thank you, brother. Randy, you know, I, I, wish, I wish the world would celebrate anniversaries like they celebrate weddings. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. don't you kind of think we got this backwards? Yeah, you, you spend a lot of money on a wedding, but the, it's one day. the The anniversary is is years. It's year after year after year. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I tend yeah, to agree I with just, that. Yeah, I just I just feel like you know anyone can get married, and anyone does get married, and then you know with uh, with, with how marriages end a lot of times, you know. And so, but you to spend some so much time with one individual. <laughs> Uh, for thirty six years, I mean that's that's a celebration. I mean that's a you're you're having to eat a lot of a lot of you know what yep. over the years. <laughs> we both, should celebrate both partners, that. by the way, not just one, both partners. I was gonna say, you know, and um, you know, the, I guess I'll start with the worst advice I ever gotten. The worst advice I ever gotten. I'm not gonna say who it's from, but they said, you know, marriage, Joe, don't ever forget. It's fifty fifty. It's fifty. It's fifty fifty. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> no. it's not, not all one, not the other. I said. I said that's interesting advice. Um, it's 2080, um, brother. <laughs> I'm thinking more 991. And um, you know, you know what's actually funny about it is, and, and this is all in all seriousness, it isn't 50 50. It it actually is. You know, give a hundred and receive a hundred. You know, I think that when you when you claim it's 50 50, what do we instinctually always do? Uh, that's when you, you start keeping score, right? And then I think that's where marriages um, run into a lot of trouble. Certainly at, at chapters of my life, uh, when you're always asking, hey, what about me? That's when you're thinking 50-50, and I've given this, and I'm, I'm at 52, and she's only giving me 48, so we got to balance this out, and then it starts fights. But at the end of the day, you know what? You just give your entire self uh, to your spouse, and then you hope that she just gives uh, – you, you married someone that uh, can give her full self to you, and it becomes reciprocal. Um, and it becomes a bit of a fusion where you get so intertwined where actually when you're giving to your spouse, you're actually giving to a part of yourself, which is really, really cool at the end of the day. But there, you know, Theodore Roosevelt said a lot of brilliant things in his day, uh, but the greatest quote by, by Theodore Roosevelt, uh, which I, I read before I got married, which was important, and he said that there is no greater decision that will determine your happiness or your mer- misery than the one you, you choose to spend the rest of your life with, with whoever that is. And it's so true, right? I mean, uh, you're around this person each and every day, all day long. Um, there's a give, there's a take, there's good chapters, there's bad chapters. Uh, but if you treat it like a marathon, certainly, Randy, like it sounds like you have for 36 years, uh, not get too tangled up into the day in, day out, week in, week out, 
Uh, but this thing's a marathon, and, and to keep giving your full self to your spouse and hope that she returns a favor. Joey, I fully planned on talking hockey, but now i got to ask you this question. Since we're <laughs> on the marriage topic, Tom Brady is clearly going through some marriage issues, and I, I posed this question to, to Randy yesterday. Is he getting the biggest I told you so from his wife uh, any time that they speak on the phone? Because he's playing horribly, and she's ready to leave, and she probably told him do not go back, and he did what he wanted to do instead of listening to his wife. Well, you have to wonder, right? I mean, it's Giselle. Every time she throws interception, she's just like, that's what I'm talking about. Or, or she's, giving, uh, she's giving praise to anyone, uh, to anyone who's sacking them. You know, I, guys, I, uh, just, you know, to be completely transparent, uh, I, I, can, I can't function in my day in, day out. I can't have a good call if, if things are not good at home. You know, it's just the way it is, right? Uh, hockey players, football players, everyone's the same. And this is where... You know, you, you hear about players and they, you know, when they get these awards or when they, when they talk about things and they always, what do they do? They always thank their wife, it seems, first. Because uh, without, a, without a good home, without a good marriage, you know, the, these guys really are at the beck and call of, of the mercy of what's, what's just going to happen in the game. And, and I, I think there is certainly uh, a trend when you look at players who are struggling um, on the ice, typically, you know, uh, thing, things aren't, aren't great at home. And then on the reversal side, uh, you see some players and how they're, they're really booming and, and they're, they're ex- excelling in their specific sports. Excuse me, get that out there. Uh, you know, that, that's when I think the marriage and everything's good at home. And any, go, any walk of life, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we, uh, there's that funny movie, Big Daddy, when the guy's freaking out. He's like, you're not mad at me. You're mad at your father. I forgive you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like sometimes when people mouth off at me, the first thing I think is, man, they, they, they got to take care of things at home because they're not projecting on me. They're probably projecting on something else. But, no, it's actually interesting to see to see Tom not doing so well. And I, I do think there's a correlation there. I don't know to what degree, uh, but at the same time, um, certainly, it's got to be on his mind, and it's uh, it's it's a, it's a very important thing, and, and the thing is kind of coming to an end here, and that and that certainly is going to play into um, to your performance. All right, Jerry, I, we're gonna. I guess we got to talk about the hockey game last night. Uh, the Blues took a six to two loss against the Preds. It, 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 is it me, or did you see that the Blues were? It seemed that they were a little bit slow to the puck and and really getting beat up a little bit on the boards. I know that hockey has changed this philosophy and it's not as physical. I don't know that Nashville got that memo because they seemed a little bit more physical than the Blues uh, last night. You know, I talked to Wendell Clark uh, my first year in the booth. This is going back four years ago. We were in Toronto, and uh, the Hall of Famer, Wendell Clark, obviously one of the Maple Leafs all-time greats. And I'll never forget something he said. You know, obviously when, when someone like that is talking to you, you're, you're, just, you're, you're all in. You're all into the conversation. But it's amazing uh, how you pick apart certain things and, and certain things stick. You know, he, he was talking about uh, the Maple Leafs at the time, which was a team made up of the Mitch Marners and Austin Matthews in one of his first years. And uh, they weren't an overly physical team. And this was right after, uh, I forget who won the Stanley Cup, I think it was 18, was it the Capitals maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Capitals went in 18, and then they had that Tom Wilson. They had a lot of bite to their game. And then you look back on the, the broad shoot bullies of the Philadelphia days, uh, even the Blues in 19, the way they, they were smash mouth, right? Uh, the idea was, you know, can you win a championship uh, without being physical? And you know, we got into a great conversation about it, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you don't have to win a cup um, you don't have to be physical to win a cup. You don't have to be. You don't have to hit people to the, wo- the boards. You don't have, to have a hard forecheck. You don't got to be snarl. You don't got to fight. You don't have to do any of those things to win a Stanley Cup. Um, you don't have to play heavy, but you have to know how to play through the heaviness. Was was his point? And I think that you look at the Avalanche last year. Look at Tampa Bay. Both those teams. They don't jump off the page as a physical team, a hard nosed team. 
but they know how to play through the physicality, right? They know how to b- bypass the puck and have good execution um, and be connected and have the support in the offensive zone. Of course, they're getting the goaltending. So there's so many things that if you're not going to be physical, there's ways you have to play through that physicality. I look at that game, carry last night against the Nashville Predators. Uh, the Nashville Predators are the most physical team the Blues have seen up to this point. I quite frankly think that they're going to be the, probably the most physical team in the National Hockey League again. And, and yeah, the most fighting majors last year, uh, most penalty minutes, and of course they're off to a hot start again with the five fights already this season as well. And they're going to run you right through the wall. I mean, you look at um, Borowiecki, you look at uh, McCarron, you look at the way Tanner Janot plays. They skate, they play with pace, and under John Hines, who I play for, John Hines is a he's a snarly coach, man. I mean, he is he's got some pepper in his steak, and he loves just to get the group going right. So he they're, they're going to play hard for him. The Blues knew this. The Blues knew this coming in last night. And, of course, um, you know, they, I think the Nashville Predators rested for four days. They've dropped the last five. Uh, they were ready to hunt, and they, and they certainly did it uh, quite well last night. And the Blues just could not figure out a way to kind of play through that heaviness. It, it seemed as though you, you what you're saying is, is spot on. Uh, Achari finally got back and, and hit somebody rough on the boards, and, and that seemed to maybe start to spark some things, and then they picked up a penalty, and then the Preds scored on the power play. But it, it, that, that play to me, it seemed like Achari just said, okay, enough is enough. We're, not, we're getting beat up. Let me go hit someone and let them feel us as well. Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what Noel Achari will do. I mean, he had seven hits in the game last night, um, four shots on goal. I, I think that the fourth line's been very, very good. I think that what they're doing, they're doing pretty much everything right now but scoring goals, and I think Craig Bruby's very happy. Nathan Walker had a couple of really good opportunities last night as well. Uh, but you look the way – you look at Noel Achari. He's been in the league a long time. You know, he went uh, to the Santa Cup final with the Boston Bruins. He had a lot of success there in Florida. Uh, now being in St. Louis, he understands his role, right? We, we talk about roles all the time, but he understands his role and he understands uh, what he needs to do to go out there and try to spark this team. And for him, it's throwing down a big hit. It may not be scoring a goal. And, you know, the best players in this league and the guys that last a long time, uh, I think they all have one thing in common. They know, they know what their role is. Heck, I was at the Inter- Enterprise Center the other day and we had all these wonderful, wonderful children and families join us at the uh, Children's Hospital. A lot of kids, with, um, unfortunately, with leukemia, uh, and different cancers, and it was an extremely uh, sad but also fulfilling day at the Enterprise Center as the kids are walking around the locker room. I'm sure you see the social media about it. Uh, and you walk in the locker room, and, you know, the kids are, are running in all these players, and, and Ryan O'Reilly comes out, and, and everyone's wearing their costumes, and, and Ryan O'Reilly's a cow. And I, I, said, I said, hey, kids, you know, you know who this is? And they, and they looked at me, and they said, Mr. Fatale. It's a cow, obviously. I was like, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, it is a cow, but also it's it's, it's also the captain. So you know, Jake Neighbors was a taco, a taco, and you know, Braden Shen, um, you know, I think he was a pizza, and you know, Tarasenko was Luigi. I mean, everyone had different costumes, and and that's and that's how hockey is too. Everyone's got roles, and and the coach the coach needs everyone to kind of get to that role. And I think that's kind of what's maybe missing a little bit right now because you bring up Noel Achari, I think he's done a good job of getting to his role, killing penalties, blocking shots. Uh, he's been physical. He's getting chances. He, he's a bounce away from getting on the board as, for his first as a blue. But he, he's a player to me that's fulfilling his role. And I think right now, you know, Craig Berube is, is looking at this team with a couple of the injuries like Buchnevich and Saad. He needs everyone to take it up a level and to find that role. If you're a goal scorer, you need to start getting more chances. And we got to start burying some pucks. If, if you're a physical guy like Torpchenko, you're in on the forecheck, we got to start banging some more bodies. Uh, if you're a guy that creates chances, like Jake Neighbors, you're creative. You got a high hockey IQ in the offensive zone. We got to start generating more. If you're Barbashev, we need more offensive zone time. We got to get you harder on the puck, like David Perron was, who who I believe we 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 really are missing a lot at this point in the season right now. I think I think it's going to be a big loss for us. We're looking to someone to kind of fulfill that role. So everyone's got a role, 
And everyone just needs to take a step up a level uh, in order to kind of get off this little skid they're on and get things back on the right track. Joey V, the uh, 36th year present is Bone China. Bone China is not happening at this stage. <laughs> bone, whoa, whoa. bone China? I don't even know what that is. I, I don't. Uh, I guess it's they, they make bowls and stuff. You've already, uh, when you've been married for 36 years, you've already got all your China. There's there's no reason to buy China at this stage. Does anyone even use China? No. No. <laughs> To me, to me, China is like throw pillows, Randy. My wife, she's she's really into these stupid decorative throw pillows. It's like, you know how much time I waste taking off throw pillows and putting throw pillows on my bed? I, you know, I'm going to do the math. I'm going to get back with you next week. I mean, it's like two minutes every morning. It's two minutes every evening. And, and then it's like, two, let's see, four, four times seven is 20. It's 28 minutes. I feel like a week. I mean, I'm not great at math, but I feel like I'm wasting at least a day or two of my life just figure out these stupid throw pillows. Joey, I, would, I would imagine China's right up, there, right up there with it. We're in the same boat, and the rule at our house is last one out of bed has to make it. We, I, I can count them for you. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. I got to put nine pillows on the bed. Nine. <laughs> too much. Too much. And nobody will ever see it. It's ridiculous. So I, think, I think you get the pass. I think you get the pass on China. But I would imagine you're at least taking her out to a nice, a nice dinner tonight, Randy. All right, we'll we'll absolutely handle that. We'll find a, a good place on the hill and we'll we'll go. Right. Joey V, you're always the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You guys have a great weekend. You too, you too. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. He's tremendous. All right, our World Series predictions are coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Nobi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. I'm feeling the Phillies in seven games. Here's why I simplified it to two different categories. If the Phillies can basically hold serve with games one and two, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, which I'm throwing out Aaron Nola's last start because his older brother was on the other side and they knew everything he was throwing. I'm throwing that last start against the Padres out. So you took Wheeler and Nola. If they can hold serve against Verlander and Valdez, then it's advantage Phillies. All right? Just hold serve. Not outpitch them, hold serve. That's our friend Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, and the World Series starts tonight in Houston. Game one, pregame at six here on 101 ESPN. And while I would like to agree with Greg, because I would like to pick Philadelphia and then go through the entire offseason saying, yeah, the Cardinals were the second best team in baseball. <laughs> that would be, if, if the Cardinals, that, would, that would make you feel a lot yeah, better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's start with this. Uh, your World Series MVP, Kerry Davis. I'm going to go with Jordan Alvarez. Astros lefty. Yep. Left-hand hitter. Uh, you know, Xavier Scruggs said he's the best lefty since Barry Bonds, and that's saying a lot. It is. That's saying yeah. a whole lot. So uh, he's been playing extremely well. That is going to be my, uh, my, my World Series MVP, which means I obviously have the Astros winning. I am also going to go with an Astro. And I'm going to go with the sentimental choice. I'm going to go with Justin Verlander Ooh. coming off of the injury and up there in years to win World Series MVP. Okay. All right. Unheralded star that is going to come through. Randy. 
This is gonna this is gonna make some people uncomfortable. Okay. Number thirty six in your two thousand sixteen Cardinals roster. Ooh. Number one in your heart, Elitmus Diaz. Oh, oh man. <laughs> That's a great unheralded yeah, call. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one for fourteen so far in the postseason. Not not great, mm-hmm. but he's going to have some opportunities. And um, if you're looking for a guy to, I know this is, if you're looking for a guy to come in and 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 not a big mm-hmm. name star, he's got he's a guy that's going to have opportunities to make those plays. I am also going to go with uh, an a, a lightly regarded unknown from Houston. I'm going to go with their ch- center fielder, Chaz McCormick, who actually has had a really good playoff, but I don't think on the national stage he's as well-known now as he will be one week from now. Okay. How about you? Uh, picking the team you're picking to win because? Uh, I'm picking the team, the Astros, to win because they are better. <laughs> they got Fair. more. Yep. Uh, they they've done more uh, with with what they have than than anyone the entire season. They are the best team, the best record throughout the entire season. Um, they are a team that has not lost in the playoffs so far this this postseason, and they are a team that has a a a short man that has not hit particularly well, and they are still <laughs> winning games. And when he decides that he wants to hit the ball, he got a couple of hits in that last game versus the Yankees uh, to cinch the, the the series to clinch the series. Um, when he comes around and starts hitting the ball, that lineup is going to be tough, a tough out every single at bat. Um, so that's why. They're, they are the better team. I'm going to go with Houston because they're old school. Not yeah. that Philadelphia yeah. isn't, but Verlander's going to give you seven. Valdez is going to give you seven. You're going to get people that actually go through a lineup a third time and – Dusty Baker, that's the one. Is, that, that, is old that, school, yeah. right? That Dusty Baker, you can, you 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 almost have to root for Dusty Baker. I mean, how to me? So so Randy, he reminds me of like an uncle that yeah. that just sits there. You know, we have family gatherings. He don't say much. He'll talk when you talk to him, but he doesn't really have to come talk to you. He's just gonna chill in the corner. He's watching everybody. <laughs> He's got his toothpick, probably got the game on and and drinking a beer or drinking some. Just just minding his business. The cool uncle that you want to hang it. out with. But you want to talk to him because he has all of the great stories. You you got questions to ask. He's got answers. Uh, so Dusty Baker is is definitely a, a reason why this Astros team will win as well. So Dusty is you, you hit the nail on the head. He is the cool seventy year old that as a kid you're talking to like you're you're eighteen and he's seventy and you say, man, I wish I would have known him back in the day. Right, right. <laughs> right. He's just that cool. But he's also going to give. Hey, any athlete, what they want is their coach or manager to give them an opportunity to play. And that's what's going to happen with uh, Verlander, with Valdez, with Urquidy. They're going to get an opportunity to to pitch into the sixth and seventh innings. Yeah. And I think that is what's going to benefit them the most. I'm, I'm going, by the way, I'm going with the Phillies. Oh, with Bryce Harper as my MVP and as my unheralded star. Frontwards, backwards, sideways, upside down. It's all spelled the same way. CBC star Matt Veerling is going to be your unheralded star of the World Series. All right. I've got, uh, I'm going to go Houston winning it in seven. Seven. I got it in six. Okay. I got I got Houston winning in six, uh, and that's because I'm just being nice. I gave the Phillies an extra game there. I I really believe it's five. Okay. 
Uh, Matthew, Phillies <laughs> in seven. I'm with Greg Amzinger. The man, the man, the man is, is is the mind is on the game right now with Greg Amzinger. Follow follow uh, the money. Follow Greg Stradamus. I'm going Phillies in seven. He also picked Seattle to win the World Series, didn't he? Told yeah, uh, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. There you go. So there are our World Series predictions. <laughs> We've got Adam Wainwright coming up at the bottom of the hour, but a quick over under coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, a few minutes to do our over under game. By the way, we're doing a uh, a candy draft on Monday. So even while I'm uh, even though I'm on vacation, I'm going to stop in and uh, do the candy draft, and then I'll, I'll gloat about over under too. <laughs> All right, so uh, Matthew, what do you got for us? Right off the bat, we got Ohio State University in a Big Ten battle with oh, Penn. Oklahoma State. Oh, oh, oh no, State. that's Ohio State. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, yeah. I was like, I was like, Okie State is the next one. Got it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was going to say, Ohio State is a big favorite right now over Penn State, and it's a sixty point five over under in that Big Ten battle. That feels like a lot of points, I think and so I'm too. going to go over. Oh, man. Yeah, Ohio State scores a lot of points, Randy. They are a tough, tough. They're a juggernaut. Yeah, and, and Penn State has the, so you're looking at a, a, a 42 to 20 type of game, which j- puts you just over. See, um, unlike you, I have faith in your former teammates, and I think Joey Porter has coached up his son to be a pretty good cornerback. He's going to slow down that Ohio State offense a little yeah. bit, and I think it's going to be an under. I, I don't, I, I'm I, going with it to be an under as well. All right. I think this is one of those. Uh, Clearly a win for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it be like a 35 to 20 type of tilt, which would get us to the under. All right, next one. Oklahoma State and Kansas State in a Big 12 battle, a little bit lower than usual, 55 and a half. K-State favored at home by a point and a half. <sighs> Okie State's going to go over. Okie State and K-State, they're going over. What you got, Rock? K-State will have a kick return for a touchdown. I'm thinking like 35-30 in this game, over. Uh I, it's hard to go under in a in a big. Yeah, I, I'll go over as well. You just those teams. It's hard to go go under. SEC battle. It's Kentucky and Tennessee. Tennessee with an eleven and a half point spread in their favor and a sixty one and a half over under in the SEC battle. I'm going to go under in this game. I think it's going to be a closer game than what you say eleven point spread. It, it'll be a closer game than that, and I think Kentucky has an opportunity to. Be the upsetter. So you think Kentucky can score ten points? Yeah. Then it's going over because Tennessee <laughs> scored fifty-two. <laughs> so did, did you go over or under? I went I, under. I was coming I up with under. my joke. So <laughs> Matthew, I'm going to go over on that one. Okay. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee right, whooping, yeah. whooping them up on that one. Fifty-two to ten. And in that game, a lot of that scoring for Randy is it going to come from Hendon Hooker? Two point five touchdown passes. That's plus twenty-four to bet right now. Two and a half or more touchdown passes for Hendon Hooker. I'm going yes. You're saying yes. He's a stud. I love he that is. guy. He is. I I'll say no. He'll have two. No, right. he's a yeah. He's a monster. Yes, absolutely. Take the over on you that say one yes? all, day, all day long. Take the right. take the over on that one. Mizzou in their game. They're traveling to South Carolina. They will be underdogs by three and a half points to the Gamecocks with a forty five and a half over under in the game. Free money lock of the week. Jesus. What is it? Mizzou going under is okay. South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> free yeah. money lock of the week right I here. I think that's, is that three unders? That's three unders. All righty, I thought so. 
And then Illinois is a favorite as they travel to Lincoln against the Cornhuskers. Seven and a half favorite there on a 50.5 over under. Here's your other free lock of the week under as well. I, I'm going to take under because Nebraska's not scoring more than we, eight. We don't give up a lot of points no. and we don't have to score a lot of points. So you got to go under. Absolutely. Under that's, that's even a freer money lock of the week. <laughs> I saw that and I said, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> a lot of high scoring local football. You want to go to Lindenwood on Saturday to actually watch some touchdowns get scored. Shootout. In the NFL, we switch it up. Chicago Bears are Ooh. in Dallas facing off against the Cowboys. It's a nine and a half favorite for the Cowboys and a 42 and a half over under. See, I read that. I thought that was Philly versus Dallas, and I was ready to go over. Chicago versus Dallas changes my, you know what? Justin Fields had a pretty good game, and they maybe they figured some things out. We'll go over. I think, I think the Cowboys are, are back in his second week back. It's going to be better than the first week. Matthew? I mean, 26-17 gets you to 43. I'll take over. Okay. I'm just trying to get to 26-17 or something like that. <laughs> I can't. So I'm. this this looks like a maybe a 27-10 kind of game to me. I'm going to go under. All right, it's the Pennsylvania battle. Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. The Eagles favored by 10.5 on a 43.5 over under here. Steelers and Eagles. You, you're going to have to get the... the... The Philadelphia Phillies are <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles to score 30-some-odd points because Pittsburgh is not going to give you much. I, I'm going to go under, even though, yeah, I'll go under. Hey, Pittsburgh, we play pretty good defense. Yeah, this game is, well, Kenny Pickett's still a quarterback, right? Najee Harris yep. is going to score the only touchdown mm. uh, for, for the Steelers. How many touchdowns he got this year? One. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Philly, okay, this is a 20-10 to 10 game if ever there was one. This, yeah. this, this is under. This I'm with is... you guys on that one. I'm going under. And we have our prop bet from the NFL in that game. Najee Harris, Steelers running back. He has one touchdown this year, and he's plus 200 to score one in this game. <laughs> Randy Carriker's all you down for a yes. You're not blocking for him. Can he get in the end zone? No. No. Oh, no. No. He, 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 no. he hasn't been able. One time. Oh, no. No, I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go with no on that one. Okay. And our last NFL <laughs> you game. Yes? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Red, this is. It's uh, going, I'm going hard overhead, big he boy. He needs that. Hard though. overhead. He, this is, he's on his fantasy team. You gotta have every him single one of my receivers is hurt. <laughs> hard over. Yeah, that's 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 also nostalgia. That's watching lots of years of Steelers football. Uh, well, let's switch it up here a little bit. The Cardinals and the Vikings in our last NFL game. The Vikings. Favored by three and a half at home, so practically a wash in this game. The over-under, 48 and a half. Highest over-under in the league this week. I'm, and I'm going to go over. Minnesota with a, with a week off last week. Um, Arizona had the Thursday night game. A couple of the, uh, Hopkins is back. I'm going to go over in this game because Minnesota is going to score a lot of points, and Kyler Murray and those guys are going to have to try to keep up. I'm with you. I think that five touchdowns combined are very easy in this game. That'll get us to, uh, or, or, I'm, I'm going to do seven touchdowns. 28-21. Over? At, at least. I'm going over, yeah. That would be a Vegas special. Get us right to 49. I, don't, th- I hate this game because easily these teams could both score 30, but with these quarterbacks, these teams could both score 12, and there's honestly not a lot of middle ground between those two. I think after a bye week and getting some wide receivers rolling, I think we actually do see some positive games from the quarterbacks. I'll be with you guys. I'm going to roll with the over on this one. Hey, Randy, I was looking at something. The Steelers had how many? You know how many games the Steelers have played this season? 
They are. They, they've played seven. Seven. Yeah, seven. How many, touch, five, right? how many touchdowns do you think they've scored this season? Probably about seven. Uh, nine. Nine. Nine that is, uh, touchdowns in seven games? That's like the 2009 oh, Rams. Oh, it my is. God. Yeah. That's the Keith Knoll. Nine offensive touchdowns. I don't know if they scored any on defense, but five passes, four rushes. Not great. Not great at all. That is terrible. Blame what the offensive we, coordinator. Yes. It's all his fault. What is he all doing? Right. <laughs> that is over under for this week, and we'll have the results for you on Monday. Coming up next, Adam Wainwright coming back for one final year with the Cardinals, and our friend Uncle Charlie will join us next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That's a big hang with them for the girls right now and my son. That is the one thing I feel bad about. You know, that honestly, that is that was the biggest reason for me to retire was for a puppy. I know that the team kind of wanted me to retire, I think, in a way, because they're that, that walking off the field scene was pretty special with Yachty and Albert. So I, I might be ruining their marketing <laughs> stuff coming back. That's our friend Adam Wainwright. He announced a couple of days ago that he's coming back for one more season in 2023. And we love that because we like to have Wednesdays with Waino here on 101 ESPN. He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and Adam. Thank you very much for joining us and congratulations on one more year. We're really excited about it. I appreciate it. We are too. Um... Yeah, you're stuck with me for another year, Randy. (laughs) You know what? I I could be stuck with you for five years. I was telling my wife the other day that that there are some people that I've met in sports that I strive to be like because I'm way way short of perfect. Uh, You do things that I want to do because – you use your platform and you use it well and you want to help other people. And I'm so appreciative of the person that you are. I've always loved your pitching and your athletic ability, but you're one of the people that I can say he's a better guy than he is an athlete and you're a hall of fame athlete. Well, I appreciate it, Randy. That's a, you know, a big part of being an athlete in professional sports is, is, is fooling people, you know, (laughs) Um, you gotta make them think you're, you're, you're doing great. And you know, maybe not. And a big part of being pitcher is, you know, when you're uh, sometimes when you don't feel feel great, uh, you got to act like you do, you know, and you got to you got to make the hitter think that you're great. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I got you fooled, Randy. I'm just going to keep doing that. It's <laughs> my guy. Hey, hey, Adam, what all came into the decision to, uh, to come back? Talking with your family, uh, just just making the decision that you wanted to go out on a, in a, on a different note than than this past season. Well, that, that played a big part in it. I, I didn't go out like I wanted to. Um, but, you know, at some point, everything's got to end. But I just feel like, you know, there's everything was pointing towards one more. Um, family was pointing towards one more. And, you know, there's a lot of things just very close on the horizon that, that are reachable that uh, would be would be cool and fun for me to attain. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just, they've got some things left to do. But, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since we won a World Series, and that's the main thing I'm coming back for. Hey Adam, what is your what is your off season consist of? It sounds like you're you're moving some plates around. You got your honey do list going on over there. You 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 getting to work? I've been on the honey do list this morning. I've been <laughs> you know breaking down boxes and taking out trash and and organizing the mudroom and hanging up clothes and doing all that kind of stuff. But right now, to be honest, what I was what you heard me just doing 
I was just uh, making myself some chicken wings. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so yeah. we need, you're making yourself chicken wings. Tell us about the preparation process for Adam Wainwright's wings. Well, I, just uh, just to be real honest about this whole situation, uh, in, 2000, in 2018, um, when I thought I was retiring and then ended up not retiring, it was because one of, one of the main reasons was because I got on a, on a good, clean diet and – and, uh, you know, just changed my workouts or whatever, but started eating real clean, stopped eating uh, gluten, stopped eating dairy, stopped eating sugar, stopped eating processed foods for a, for a long time. Um, and then, you know, they sent me home with this diet, this nutritional program. I went and saw some, some of the best nutritionists in the world. They sent me home with this diet program. It was like 4,400 calories a day, and I couldn't eat gluten, dairy, sugar, or processed foods. I'm like, hey, how in the heck <laughs> – <laughs> Am I supposed to do that? You know, I mean, there's no Oreos in here. There's no Lay's potato chips. How am I supposed to get 4,400 calories? You know, and it's all proteins and vegetables and good, clean, good, clean um, carbohydrates like sweet potatoes and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I just can't eat enough of those in the world to get 4,400. And especially I can't cook all that stuff. How am I going to do it? And they said, uh, hey, listen, if you're serious about this, you've got to hire a chef. And, uh, you know, that's one of the perks of one of the perks of what I what I do. I have a guy, a great friend of mine, Heath, who works at our farm, uh, who's a who's a world class chef uh, that he works in our hydroponics unit and cooks for me on the side. But he comes Sunday, makes us dinner. But all day Sunday and all day uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on the week, he makes he makes food for me the rest of the week. So uh, I'm eating some oven baked chicken wings right now um you know i might yesterday i had chorizo tacos and all these kinds of things and it's good clean or organic ingredient in, ingredients but uh if he makes he makes dinner for us on tuesday but then he leaves breakfast snack lunch snack and dinner for me and the family for the rest of the week um when he comes so that's uh, just a real <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, that, that might be why I'm coming back right there, Randy. Because, uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Adam Wayne Good is, is uh, one of my favorite things to do in the world. Oh, yeah. Adam Wayne right with us on 101 ESPN. Adam, a couple of weeks before you tweeted about your the, the knee situation, you had told us about it on the show, and you said at that time you really weren't completely on board with what the trainers thought w- when you got hit by that batted ball. At what point did it strike you that, hey, maybe they are right, and maybe my knee was more affected than I thought it was? Well, it, it, was, a, it was a product of, you know, not wanting to make excuses. You know, and, and trainers are going, hey, maybe that thing on your knee, maybe it was it's bothering you. And, it, and I'm going, quit, man. I've been hit a lot harder than that. You know, that, I'm not making that. That's, I'm not saying that's the reason for anything. Like, get out of here with that junk, man. I, I'm not pitching well because I, I got to figure out something in this delivery. But then, you know, they kept saying, hey, there's just, you know, when your knee gets hit like that and it shuts down your calf muscle, you know, it shuts down your foot. Things change in your delivery, and I'm going, it's not that, y'all. Quit. Like, I, I appreciate you trying to figure out an excuse for me, but that's not it. But then when you trace it back to when, you know, and I looked at the analytics behind this before I got on board with it. I, I'm, I'm going, I'm not giving into that until I see the information. You know, my extension dropped six, eight inches right away, starting the next game. 
starting, and then it got worse and worse as the, as the season uh, went on. But it was from that inning on where it got worse and worse as I went. And that was just – that was eye-opening to me because I don't like making excuses, Randy. You know what I mean? I know. Nobody wants to hear – nobody wants to hear professional athletes make excuses. They just want to see results. And so I wasn't giving into that until it ended up being the truth. And then I'm like, hey, listen, people are going to go, hey, those guys are making excuses. You know, and that's fine. Um, but but the good thing for me is I know the truth. And so it's fun for me to, to get back out there and go, oh, okay, and then work on that exact problem. And then all of a sudden, bam, watch watch what happens to my fastball. Bam, watch what happens to my curveball. Bam, watch what happens to my location and, and, and delivery. It's like all the timing just sinked in right away, and I'm going, son of a buck, man, that gum. <laughs> you know, and – did you realize that your stride was a foot shorter? Because it seems to me you've been pitching all your life, and you know where your front foot lands. So did, did you notice that? And obviously you couldn't stride that the extra foot. So what comes into that? Yeah, I mean, that's a – I knew that my – I knew that my timing was off in a way that my arm was not getting up in the power position in the right time. I knew my, my back started to arch because my timing was off. knew my head started to pull off, and I knew my arm was pulling too hard in the front. But the, the problem for me was trying to figure out what was causing what. You know what I mean? Like, my whole career, I land in one spot. When I get done pitching, I got – if nobody else is on the other side, if I throw a bullpen or something, there's like nine spark, spike marks. You know what I mean? I'm very precise where I land. Uh, I've never had to worry about that. Stride length has never only one only one time in my career was a stride length a problem. And it was spring training in 2014, and I and I just felt it right away. And I got back out to where I needed to be, and actually a little longer than I had ever been. And I started pitching great, man. I remember having a conversation with Jake Westbrook, and he going and he said, "Man, you you lengthen your stride, man. It was over after that." And I was then, I oh, know that was fun. that was pretty fun. That was the only time. In my career, I've ever dealt with that. Uh, my, my, my landing spot is so precise that it's just never been an issue. Um, that's never been what's caused things. You know what I mean? Like a front side, my front arm might pull too hard sometimes, or my head might get off track, and I have these simple keys to get out of those. Uh, but, but the very first time when I went to the bullpen, and I said, let me just – let me just double check this straddling. And so this is the problem. This was my problem, Randy, because I would have normally checked this right away. And for, I don't know what happened, man. I think it, I think it was, I think it was, uh, my mind was blocked so that I would come back this year. So I don't know what ha- I don't know how I didn't check this sooner, but as soon as I went to check and see if my heel was flying open too fast on my, on my landing leg, uh, my foot hit the ground. And I went, holy crap, man, it's way short. It's not just a little short, it's way short. You know, my foot hit the ground. I was opening my, my foot, which was causing my, hook to, my, my hip to open way earlier, uh, in order to land shorter and get the timing. My arm knows it, knows it was late. My body reacted to that. It was just a mess, Randy. That was just a, I don't know what else to tell you besides it was a mess. It took me, it, it, honestly, it took me probably 1,000 reps in front of the mirror uh, and probably I worked on it 45 minutes in a row when we were in Milwaukee. Um, one of my last couple starts, I'm going, something's not right, man. What is it? What is it? And I went down there and I started landing and I figured out 
that we figured out that it was short. We just didn't know how much it was short until we started looking at the extension numbers. We started measuring it uh, down the mound. And I went down there and I worked 45 straight minutes on just getting down the mound over and over and over again, landing in the right spot, landing in the right spot, landing in the right spot. But then, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight where everything else just sinks right in. It took me a thousand reps in front of the mirror to lock that back in. And, and as, as the season ended, you know, I was getting locked back in bad timing or whatever, but you know, either way, we didn't score uh, enough runs to win those games really anyway. So I don't feel terrible about it except for the fact that knowing that uh, I wasn't able to compete and that it just rubs me wrong that I was the reason that I wasn't able to compete because I, I didn't perform at a level that I deserved to compete down the stretch, and that, that made me so mad. Hey, Adam, since the last time we spoke to you, uh, you had some changes on the coaching staff. Have you had, had an opportunity to talk to Skip or, or Mike since they decided to, to – well, Skip's going to Miami and Mike decided not to return? I've got a call in to, to Mike today. I talked to Skip. Skip called me um, probably about 45 minutes to an hour before the news broke just so I would hear it from him first. Um, and I said, well, dang, you know, I mean – Skip, you know, we're pretty great friends. Don't don't you think you should have let me know this before I said I was going to sign back? Because I, <laughs> I, I said I was going to sign back like two minutes before he calls. You know? so he called me, told me he was taking that job. No, I was excited for him, man. That's a big opportunity. Anytime you get to be the manager of a big league baseball team, there's only 30 of those in the whole world. You know, mm-hmm. that's a pretty coveted job. And he's, he's going to do great. He's so prepared. Uh, he's going to get that organization. I'm not saying they're going to win a World Series overnight, but he's going to get that organization going the right way, and that's really all you can ask for in a manager. Have you talked to Nolan? What's your confidence level in Nolan not opting out? I've talked to Nolan. Yeah, we talked a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't – you know, that that kind of business is, is his to share. I, I think we'll see him back. Um but, I, you know, if that was the case or wasn't the case, that's news that he needs to break, not sure. me. But we love having him as a teammate, and he's a special talent, man. There's only there's only one of him in the world. So uh, we, we sure hope he comes back. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. A couple more things. Number one, how cool is it that Kyle Gibson had to move back the, the blast for impact with the, the big league impact because he's in the World Series? Yeah, we talked about that, man. What a great reason to postpone that. Yeah. Um, they're going to have fun over there at the Blast, and that's a great venue, and Kyle's a great host, and it's a great cause, you know. Um, big, league, big League Blast is – everybody loves shooting shotguns at, at Clay Pigeons. I mean, that's just a good time. You know, that's a that's a fun time. But if you hang around Kyle Gibson long enough, you realize how, what a great guy he is, what a charitable person he is, what a wonderful heart, giving heart that he has. Um, but just so everybody knows, that's at the Sporting Clay's. Uh, that the, the St. Louis Trap and Ski Club out there, and uh, they just do a they just do a great job. But all the money that's raised from that's going to be fighting hunger in Franklin County, and it's going to help a lot of a lot of people in need. Uh, but he's such a stud, man. I'm I'm happy for him. Unfortunately, we were on the wrong end of that. But I tell people, I told and I tweeted this out when when we were playing Philly, and they got past us. I, I really had a feeling going into that series, whoever wins this series is going to win the world series i I said that out loud to to uh my teammates and um i said that to my wife and i I just i really believe that because both of us kind of limped down the stretch a little bit they they were playing 
they, they were that shoot. They barely got in the playoffs. They lost what eight or nine games in a row at one point, right towards the end of the season. But then those pitchers started to get going a little bit. And when you got a guy like Wheeler and Nola at the top of your rotation, you got a bunch of zeros. It's hard. It's hard to score off those guys. And then you had guys in the middle of that lineup and all through that lineup that were very dangerous. So we saw them kind of get hot uh, against us. Those guys started getting big hits out of nowhere. You know, uh, Castellanos hadn't been hitting at all. He started getting big knocks. Hoskins hadn't been hitting at all. He got big knocks. Um, you know, Segura hadn't been hitting at all. He started getting big knocks. I'm like, man, they're getting hot, you know, and it's, and that's the thing. I've seen that play out in the postseason for us. If you get hot at the right time, you can do some special things. But here was my call. I told Kyle Gibson after they beat us, I said, congratulations, happy for you. Not, I'm bummed for us, obviously, but I love Kyle so much. He's, he's just such a great dude. I said, y'all are going to win the World Series now, and watch this. Kyle Schwarber is going to be the, the World Series MVP. Mm. The guy was like 0 for 30-something, right? 0 for 31. He didn't hit all our series. He barely got a hit in the DS. And then he got a couple of hits. He got one hit. And I said, watch out now. He's about mm. to get because Kyle Schwarber goes on benders where he hits home runs like left and right. And uh, he hit a base hit, and then all of a sudden I said, oh, crap, watch out. He's fixing to do it now. Next one, he hits 488 feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, that guy is just getting hot at the right time. I think they're going to win the World Series. I think he's going to be the MVP. Last thing for Adam Wainwright, I need my uh, big league impact fantasy football team to get hot just at the right time. It's been a disaster so far. I'm 2-5. and five. You're 4-3. and three, But we meet in week 14 in the final regular season week. And I kind of have a feeling a playoff spot might be on the line there. Well, for me, not for you. Sounds like you might be in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a Kyle Schwarber-type hot streak here, Adam. Oh, you about to get on one, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the thing about you, Randy, is that uh, you know a lot about sports. You just seemingly don't know how to put a fantasy football lineup. <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate about you, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Now, now, the, now the the trick though is is finishing strong. You know, everybody can start good, so you know you got to put your money where your mouth is. That's where I'm at right now, and and you're dangerous. Maybe you are like Kyle Schwarber right now, about to get hot. But you know, the proof <laughs> has been in the pudding in his in his you know, career. Yeah. Proof has not been in the pudding in your in your fantasy well, career. So. Now that Matt Ryan's not playing anymore, and I can't put him in my lineup, I'm much better off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen. I love Matt Ryan. He was a great quarterback for a long time, but that line has been has been rough. He's been he's been hounded this whole year. You know, it's not been easy for him. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I mean, I I'm rooting for you, Randy. I, I, I you know I'm always rooting for you, and you got your work cut out for you. But I'm rooting for you. I who appreciate knows? Who that. Knows what yeah, I, I, and I appreciate that greatly. And we appreciate your time and love the fact that you're coming back for 2023 for one more year. And uh, we'll be talking to you very soon. And by the way, we're just a few weeks away now from Thanksgiving. Have a great Thanksgiving and a great holiday season. And, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, y'all too. Thanks for helping us support uh, and promote Big League Impact this year. We raised another, we raised over a million dollars again this year and want to say thanks to all the incredible donors. Uh, and players that got involved this year. Over 50 charities and thousands of families have benefited from it. So thanks a lot, guys. Y'all did a great job. All right. Thanks, Wayno. Enjoy those wings. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN.
Always a great interview. Always great. He's, He's fun to, to talk to. Always yeah. laughing, having a good time. And I, I'm I'm very serious. I, I'm not uh, just buttering up Adam. There's a half dozen athletes that I, I put on a mm-hmm. pedestal, and he's he's right up there. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a guy that is open, honest, uh, willing to laugh and, and, you know, make fun of himself mm-hmm. at times, it's always good to, to talk to those people. One of the best. We're going to head down the stretch here of this edition of the opening drive with Kerry, Matthew, and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, that, that played a big part in it. I, I didn't go out like I wanted to. Um, but, you know, at some point, everything's got to end. But I just feel like, you know, there's everything was pointing towards one more. Um, family was pointing towards one more. And, you know, there's a lot of things just very close on the horizon that, that are reachable that uh, would be would be cool and fun for me to attain. Uh, this is, you know, just, they've got some things left to do. But, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since we won a World Series, and that's the main thing I'm coming back for. Adam Wainwright, if you missed the interview, you can hear it on the 101 ESPN app or at 101ESPN.com. Our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. And I would think among those things that are that are available to him, 200 wins, yeah. a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, a better chance than he has without coming back. And like he said, the opportunity to, su- to succeed in the postseason. And the opportunity to go out the way that he sees fit. I think he talked about it not knowing the stride length was off and, and that impacting the, the final few starts of the season for him. I think he wants to come back and show everyone that he is um, a damn good pitcher and a damn good player uh, and, and one of the best to play in this Cardinals uniform. I am not going to be in next week, and Michelle Smallman will be with yes, you. Yes, she is. I-L-L. I-N-I. There you go. So that'll be fun. Michelle is going to be doing the show from New York with Carrie, and we're looking forward to that next week. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And CD tonight at Pattonville. Indeed. Go Hawks. Got to go. We got to go. Yeah, we got to get it done. It's that time of year. It is. Playoff time. One and done. You, you win or go home. We have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us, until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.